Knox, hello. How are you doing this Wednesday? I'm good, Dash. How are you? I'm 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 pretty darn good. Uh, welcome to all the way down twenty five. Um, yeah. I've been I've been a little uh, ti- <clears throat> tired. I've been up all night every night for the last several days due to something that we may or may not have time to get to if uh, if if our first topic doesn't go on too long. Uh, is but, it related uh, to a topic we've talked about before? Yeah, yeah. Because I was going to say, seven speed running has uh, it's changed a lot in the last week. I was going to say I, you've uh, you. I can't believe you've been playing Dread with how much you've been playing seven. Yeah, well, I got a sub eight time in Final Fantasy VII. I got us. Uh, I got under eight hours. Jeez. So GG. the thing is, it was yeah, yeah. I'm really happy about it. It was a run where I didn't get any game overs, which is like a huge deal, right? But that also means that I shouldn't run against that time until I've like practiced the bosses and yeah. can be relatively confident that I can do it again. You know, <laughs> I need to practice more before I can play again. And so in the meantime, I have been playing metroid dread have you been playing it no i haven't even bought it yet and i'm actually really sad that i haven't because it looks like something that i should be supporting um but i do plan to eventually yeah yeah so um everything that i say about it is going to be spoiler free okay i think i mean well i am going to be talking about it right if you're me you'd be gone by now because mm-hmm. it's like now nah, we're not talking about, i'm not listening about it you well, know i feel like metroids uh, at least the 2d metroids are kind of like just one of those kind of games where it's you know it's a metroid venue you can kind of predict everything that happens except for maybe some just key plot points that are going to happen it's it's uh, like all the same kind of gameplay i would assume right well, it's a really big deal if, let's just say, there's a movement ability that this game has that none of the previous Metroids had, oh. uh, and it's very different feeling, but very good. Um, yeah, so, you know, game mechanic spoilers, I think, are a big deal, right? Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't like, you know, when you're, when you're playing, when you're playing a game like that, and there's and there's some kind of movement ability that happens later. I don't want to know that. Like I think that knowing that is worse than a story spoiler myself, you know. Knowing I want to be surprised spoilers, by yeah. the game. Yeah, I want to be surprised by the mechanics uh and and the gameplay more than I care about the story. I think we uh, talked about know. this in one of our very early episodes. Oh, probably. So yeah, so I'm going to try to be as spoiler free as possible, but I would like to say some things about Metroid Dread if you care to hear them. So uh, first of all, it's very good. It's very good. I, uh, I just finished it and I liked it a lot overall. Uh, overall, fantastic game. Liked it a lot. I think the movement feels really, really, really good. It's felt as good as it felt since Super Metroid, I think. Um, you know, probably not as, not as good as Super Metroid. Super Metroid has one of the best feeling character movements of all time, right? Really? Like just oh yeah, just Haven't the way that the way that that character feels when you move it, like you feel like you're in a heavy suit in space, you know? So you got like big jumps because of no gravity but also your character feels heavy like you've got a lot of momentum when you're moving you know um which is very good when you get into stuff like the speed booster later where you're just like charging through shit you know uh yeah super metroid amazing feeling game and i never felt like they got that good feeling again with the other ones even with like the game boy advance stuff 
Yeah, like Fusion felt a little similar, but like they took away a little bit of the like they they made it uh I feel like Fusion they made a little clunkier than Super Metroid cuz the thing is your movement in Super Metroid is overpowered. Like you can sequence break the hell out of that game because you have such control over your character, you know? Um and uh but Fusion they kind of limited you more by kind of just making the character feel clunkier, I thought. And then in Zero Mission, it's back to feeling really tight, but it's really stiff. Uh, so Zero Mission also doesn't really let you do too crazy of things, uh, and everything feels very stiff in that game, and the momentum feeling is kind of gone. Uh, Dread feels really good moving around. Like, all of the running and jumping and ledge grabbing and all that... Um, I think feels super, super good. And I was really, really impressed by, by how well it controls. Uh, my, I, I think, um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much to say about it before I get into the criticisms because I do have some criticisms and I think well, that those are more interesting to talk about. Maybe we can but, actually quickly discuss, um, yeah. for someone like me who's not played it yet. Um, my Metroid experience largely is from the game boy, but, I understand that the Game Boy did actually a pretty good job of like capturing how Metroid, at least on the 8-bit consoles, kind of played. Um, I haven't played Super Metroid yet, but how, how it, does it feel very similar to like the SNES days? Or um, so I I would say that Metroid Two on Game Boy feels a lot more like Super Metroid than it does like Metroid One, mm. kind of. Sort of, I don't know. It's pretty different, but if I had to put it closer to one of them, it'd be Super Metroid, I think. I don't know, though. Eh, it's debatable. Anyway, um, yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the movement in this one feels very good, but it, it does also feel like it's doing things that you wouldn't expect on a Super Nintendo. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Like, it feels new. It, I mean, there, I, I'm there... going to say no. It, it feels like a new game that you couldn't have done on Super Nintendo. Particularly part of that uh, is that it's got the 3DS games thing where you can aim in all 360 degrees. There is one like aim button that, that locks you in place, and then you can aim in any direction, Yeah, which is nice. However, I'm gonna, my first criticism is going to be a nitpick. But I wish you could customize the controls. Because even though I know, dash, dash, it's just like it was on Game Boy Advance. I know. On Game Boy Advance, you held the R button for missiles and you held the L button to aim up and down, you know? And it's that way on this as well. You hold R if you want to shoot a missile instead of a beam. And you hold L to aim. However, you're aiming with your left thumb. And so I don't like the feeling of holding down L with my index finger while making a precise motion with my left thumb on the stick. I want to be using my right index finger on the R button to really hold the controller in place with that button felt, uh, held down and have my right thumb really free to move you know i just it feels more cramping on the hand to do it all to do all the aiming left-handed yeah and that's you know look at a game like resident evil 4 for gamecube right you hold down r you aim with the left stick you shoot with the a button with your right thumb feels great i wish this game was like that and uh and, and you know 
that's just the first thing, right? Is is I, I wish the controls were customizable, uh, but they're not. But you know, whatever. Oh, really? <laughs> I was gonna say if, if they're not. I... If the controls aren't customizable, it seems like I've I've heard something about people buying the game on PC because they can get much better graphical performance. I would think customizing the controls is probably native to that as well. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, it's just a Switch game. It's not on PC. This is a Metroid game. Well, okay, so maybe the talk I heard. See, I I kind of get news just tangentially from Twitter. Oh, people sure, are, yeah. I, I saw something about Voltar saying if people want to get Dread on PC, then that makes sense. But then I also, I guess I'm now oh. making the correlation that a lot of people were also talking about. There's already a really good Switch emulator out there. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. That yeah, apparently there is a Switch emulator available. I also um I didn't I didn't hear too much about it, but apparently there's some big stink about uh uh Kotaku in their Metroid Dread review like alluded to piracy being good. Yeah, that's right. right. And everyone's mad at them for that, right? So, so yeah, it, you're probably right that people are probably talking about playing it on emulator. And yeah, if you did. You could probably flip the controls. Well, okay, actually, no, that's a really good thing to bring up because someone also said, "Dash, you can just switch L and R in the in the system menu." You know, on Switch, you can totally customize controls oh, yeah. just on Switch, right? However, that is global. So then, when you press start and you have tabs to tab between with L and R, their functions would be reversed, right? You would hit R to go a tab to the left. If yeah. you did that, right? Maybe that would be worth it, though. Maybe you'd get used to that, you know? I'm the guy who flips Circle and X on PS4 when I play Bloodborne, so I have to use the X button to dodge instead of Circle, but it's so that my menus work like I like them. <laughs> and I just got used to that, you know? So, wait, so, what does Circle do? Circle confirms in the menu, and X goes back. But oh, then so in you're gameplay, just so used to, like, Final Fantasy VII, kind of... Yeah, 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 FF7, Metal gotcha. Gear Solid, and then also Nintendo, where A is on the right and B is on the bottom, right? So, so yeah, yeah so like when I, you know, so I, I'm not totally foreign to making like a a big change like that. And who knows, I am gonna play Dread again, so maybe I maybe I will do that. I'll just flip those two and, and see I, how I like it. I've heard Dread has six endings. Uh, so it is. So this might be a little spoilery to talk about, except I mean. It's a Metroid game, and so your your definition of an ending versus Metroid's definition of yeah. an ending might be different, right? It, you know, the original Metroid on NES had two or three endings, right? Depending on just how fast you beat it. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, I'm guessing, because I've only beaten the game once, right? So I'm guessing that the different endings that someone is, refers to is probably just a slight alteration, depending on how fast you beat it, how many items did you get, are you on hard mode, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, eh, just my guess, though. So so let's talk about okay I so yeah I want it, I want it to be super out there that I really really like the game and I want to play it again. My favorite things about it were the movement controls. The movement controls are absolutely wonderful. Um the boss battles kicked ass. Loved the bosses. Uh the bosses were that thing where like you die a few times on the bosses, and it's because, and they have a lot of health, some of them, right? 
to the point where like some people might be like, eh, the, the, I'm sorry, this guy, this straw man guy is coming out a lot today, but uh, you know, eh, the, the bullet sponge, you know, but it's, it's the kind of game where they don't want you to barely beat the boss and go, oops, beat it first try, uh, you know, but just barely, even though I was shitty, you know, they like, you gotta learn the patterns and you, you gotta be at the point where you can dodge, you can dodge every attack. Uh, you know, before you're able to beat it, really, you know, and I love that in games. Um, so I'm really excited to play it on hard mode, where I'm going to be forced to dodge all the attacks, you know. Uh, so yeah, does all that's get, like, cool. Does it get very bullet hell ish kind of? I don't. I wouldn't say bullet. Well, I, okay, I wouldn't say bullet hell. Uh, but there are some attacks that, yeah, are pretty complicated as far as, like, where they, you know, quickly identifying the safe spot on the screen and then getting there, you know. It's got that element, yeah. Not quite hell, though. I and mean, maybe a bullet heck. <laughs> but uh, I like that. Yeah, so also um, another thing is if you if you are, are interested in Metroid games and you like games, you like the Metroid games where there's, like, fun puzzles on how to get certain items like here's an item here except it's got these kinds of blocks around it but how would i use those in those positions you know and you kind of got to figure out how to move and do like a technical execution you know of like run this way and drop a bomb there and then run a little bit left and shoot a missile up and then shine spark you know like that kind of stuff you're gonna love a lot of the puzzles in this game like how to get certain items it's very very fun okay all that stuff's great uh, I would like to criticize the game, though, if you please. Um, <laughs> no, not allowed. <laughs> biggest complaint. Uh, the music. Oh, no. Metroid has always been known for wonderful soundtracks, you know? And now, this isn't the first Metroid game to have bad music. Fusion had bad music, for the most part. <laughs> People are going to hate that I said that, but it's true. I wish that I had g- Metroid experience. I wish I had more than just one game under my belt that I couldn't even beat. <laughs> right. Sorry. This is going to be a lot of gibberish to you. Uh, F- Fusion has like one song that it plays that's like 20 seconds long and it plays it 30 times. Oh, no. Uh, you know, like every time I felt like that you l- that you leave a navigation room, it does this like, <laughs> you know, like. Like it, it has like a build. It's like this little thing. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. You know, I don't know. But it's like the only thing you hear. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Fusion. Not talking about Fusion. Dread. Uh, Fusion does the GameCube one, right? That's the 3D. No, it, well, it's on Game Boy Advance. Uh, what? What? Uh, I'm thinking. Prime. Prime. Okay. Thank. Yeah. All right. So uh, there are no songs in dread there is like i after i played the game there was there was musical ambience happening the entire time you know but i could not hum you a single melody from the game like it's all just it's all just like slightly musical ambience the whole time but not really all that musical And, uh, you know, I think like, okay, Metroid has always been very good about having music that kind of sounds like it's the environment, you know, like the first, like when you go into the item room and and it's that song that's like, you know what I'm talking about? That's it's like, it sounds like computers. It sounds like you're in a room full of computers and the computers are beeping. 
the computers are all beeping and it happens to be somewhat musical and you're like, whoa. And even though that melody that I just hummed you sounded annoying, probably <laughs> it's very memorable, you know, and you, you instantly recognize it as that is the Metroid item room melody, you yeah. know? Uh, and, is it kind of like and, the, uh, the save rooms like in uh, symphony of the night? Uh, y- yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Uh, so, and the, but but man, like Super Metroid, holy shit! The soundtrack in that game is good, and it always has such a good job of like really getting the mood of the area that's around you, you know. And the guy that composed the original Metroid actually did say something like his goal was that he wanted it to sound, he wanted to make music out of like the area that you're in. That's really you know, cool, sort of, you know. Yeah. And yeah, and I think like I think he nailed it in the first game, and then I. Th- think super metroid was composed by someone else but they also nailed it you know you got that fucking you know you're in brin star but then you go down to the overgrown place and the music fades in it's like you know what i'm talking about and it's oh my it's so good and you'll remember it for the rest of your life dread dude it doesn't have music in it it's crazy do you know the do you know the the music in in uh Metroid 2 Return of Samus um where it's kind of like the you start the the level and you hear this like and then you hear dun, 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 dun. yeah 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 like the most like 8-bit Conan the Barbarian kind of style music going on that's the like one thing i remember from Metroid the most um, and then pretty much the entire beginning opening area just had a beautiful song to it. Um, very, very catchy. Um, but you're saying it's just like maybe like vaguely musical ambience the entire time. Yeah. Like no melodies whatsoever. What the you fuck? know, <laughs> it's crazy. So I found that to be dreadful dreadful I, I, yeah. <laughs> it was absolutely dreadful i was really um, ready to get that out <laughs> hated it uh that i hated that about it um and i think that that also was partly the reason for my other criticism of the game uh which is that even though the the movement was really good and the puzzles of the items were really good I don't, I, this, this, maybe I'll change my tune on this after I play through it another time, but I didn't love the world design overall, uh, as far as the way things were connected, as well as just the feeling of everything and, 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 and ignore what I just said about how it's connected, because really the main point I have of criticism is it feels way too cramped. Oh, like. Like, uh, you're always in corridors and you're always having to move in like a zigzag pattern to get through every room. You have to become so much... the ball, Samus. Yeah, there's so much shit in the way of you all the time. And now the movement is really good. You're doing this move. I don't want to spoil stuff, so I'm not going to say anything mm-hmm. that isn't that it, that I'm not going to say anything that hasn't been in another Metroid game before, but you know, you're doing your space jumps and your ledge grabs and going into your morph ball and out of it every once in a while and all that stuff. Right. Um, 
and all that, like, it's fun and it feels good, but you have to do it all the time. While in other games, sometimes you would just open up a speed booster and and just zoom through a flat terrain, you know, like like destroying the bricks that are just in the way for cool factor, but you're speed boosting, so you're blasting through them and breaking them. You're, you're killing all the enemies. And yeah, and you run like a far away, you know, and it feels good. It feels big. This game doesn't have that. It's always cramped. It's always closed in. Mm. Uh, and I, I just, I, I thought that that really harmed my ability to see, to be immersed in the world, you know? Because it was constantly a video game. You're still speaking of this game a a 9 out of 10 at the onset of this podcast. So so this seems like a pretty big bummer to me, and yet it still Mm -hmm. manages to be really good. Yeah, because the video game aspect of it is so good. Okay, let me me explain it all to you a different way, right? This is kind of what I think sums up my feelings really well is that all of the video game shit is awesome. That means how does your character control boss battles and regular enemy combat puzzles to get the items, you know, what are the items, all that shit, uh, you know, uh, pacing throughout the, throughout the gameplay, all that shit. Fantastic. All the video game ass stuff. <laughs> But Metroid very often, or Metroid is very good at having also this atmospheric element to it, where you're lost in space and you're all alone, right? And uh, and I think that that's the part that gets lost, right? Or that's that's the part that this one doesn't have as much because the environment like when you have to move through the environment you're constantly like executing all of these video game control things you know you're constantly like thinking about how you know how on your controller to execute getting through this spot instead of just stopping to appreciate the world for a second because there is no world to appreciate because it's a video game level in front of you you know what i mean i was going to say it's a metroidvania it's it's like you you have well, for, one of the questions I wanted to ask earlier on was, is it kind of like, are there any moments of like 2.5D elements where you have, uh, maybe you go into the background and you platform behind in the background area a little bit more? Because like, kind of like that classic Abe's Odyssey kind of mechanic, you know what I mean? Um, right. If you I know what you world. mean. Yeah. Uh, there, there is not that. Mm. Um, the only, the only thing that they do to play with the fact that the game is 3d is there are, uh, it does like the, the, uh, guilty gear, the, the recent guilty gear thing where like during a really cool moment in combat, the camera will move in on the action, you know, and like show you it from a different angle. Uh, cause you can, you can parry in this game, just like you could in the 3DS game. There is like a, there's like a melee parry, you know? And is it the, uh, like the little, like blue and white, like static chain thing that she gets in, uh, Smash Bros? No, that's the grapple beam. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. no, it's just, she just backhands them, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, you can just fucking smack dudes and, uh, <laughs> and you know, if you, if you time it right, you can parry them. And in regular combat, that's just like, you know, it's like Dark Souls, right? You parry a regular ass enemy, they're dead if once you shoot them, you know, it's we, pretty cool. We now have the Street Fighter 3 third strike of, of, of Metroid games. Um, but, uh, but then in boss battles, 
in boss battles, sometimes a parry will initiate like a special little cutscene, you know, uh, of like some cool dude stuff happening. And that will have like a dynamic camera happening. Uh, there's also one particular function of your uh, beam that you get that'll kind of assume an over the shoulder perspective while you're aiming it, you know. So that's kind of cool too. So they use the 3D in a cool in a cool way that way. Um, but yeah, they don't do any like layer stuff, like back mm. layer, front layer, anything like that. But there it uses the 2.5D. The reason I was asking was because it seems like you're it seems like you're describing it in kind of like a um, like it kind of feels claustrophobic kind of a yeah, way w- right. versus and how I, they and normally I, are. Yes, and I would definitely understand that that's what they would want to go for for parts of the game, but I want there to be also not claustrophobic parts. I want there to also be big open areas that I can appreciate the alien planet that I'm on, you and know, and that kind of thing. That's another one thing, thing I think about. about though, well, I was gonna I was gonna bring it to like a comparison with like. It, Doom versus Doom 3. Doom 3 has more, like, you know, definition to it, obviously, but a lot more crampedness in that you're in a lot of tight corridors, the, there's no lights. Mm. Um, it's not big, wide, and open. Like, you won't get big scenes, like, in a slaughter map of, of Doom, you know, like that. It, it's it's going to be more in your face and, and, and kind of, like, you know, tight in. We're like... Uh, you know yeah, what I mean? the only parts like yeah, totally, uh, and and it's like yeah, I get that that's what you want to do for a lot of the game, but like give me the other things sometimes. Yeah. In Doom Three, even when you do get out into an open area, it's like when you're out on the Mars surface. Yeah. And then you have the fucking oxygen to worry about, and so you still feel claustrophobic. <laughs> Remember, and that's like the first thing they give you in Doom 2016. It's like, hey, let's go on the fucking surface. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like get out of here. Let's go explore the surface of Mars. Except there's D demons now <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i love that jump, <clears throat> they have you like jump off a huge cliff and stuff and, and then exactly you land, you and land like, hey. you're like oh fuck i'm master chief <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah but that's that, that's exactly what i wanted to bring it to was because in doom 2016 the first thing you get is uh, a big change from doom 3 in that you get oh my god I can now see and explore and appreciate this wide open area. But then you're like, hang on, I want to do that in Metroid. And I'm thinking, how the fuck does that work in a 2D, like, because you even said it yourself. It's like, but you can't because you're looking at like a video game screen right now. You can't like. Well, the thing about like super, let's like, let's compare it to Super Metroid. And, and uh, with any other game, like with so many games, it's a little unfair because Super Metroid is just such a good game and like i re- like there's not going to be another metroid game that's as good as super metroid it's never going to happen but no we're going to compare them um you know cuz this is a- another metroid game uh that game has when you first start out you get out of your ship and you're in this huge room it's cuz you're outside you're in this yeah. huge outside area it's raining and you can't even see the sky, you know, you can, or like you can't, there's no upper bound for you at this point because you can't jump that high yet. So it's like, you know, you just have, you're, you're immediately just in this giant area, you know, and it, and it feels, it gives you that moment to be like alien planet, you know, let's walk around. Right. Um, and yeah, you get into some tight caves real soon after that, but you still get back out and then like, 
after you, just after a little bit of tight corridor spot in Super Metroid, you know, then you get into this room that's like this long decline, this long slant down, and the ceiling is nice and high, and there's not much rubble in the way of you and that kind of stuff, and, you know, it's like a big room uh, and that kind of stuff. And then the game also just has a lot of long corridors that you can speed boost through, and it feels really good to just speed boost through them or shine spark through them or whatever that kind of what stuff. What is a shine spark? Oh, when you're speed boosting in uh, in Super Metroid, which is after you after you run for a certain amount of time, you get charged up, and now oh. you're fucking super running, and anything that is in your path gets destroyed. Right while you're doing this, uh, if you duck, it like stores up a bunch of energy, and then if you jump, if you press the jump button and hold a direction, you will blast off. You'll fly off in that direction, and oh. that's a shine spark. Damn. Uh, yeah. This is so much more complex fucking... than like the Game Boy game that I played. <laughs> yeah, Super Super Metroid really, really like blew the lid off of what this type of game can be you know i was upset um, when i looked that up because i was like i i want to say because i know i have a metroid game that i haven't played yet and it turns out it's the nes game and not the it's not super metroid and super metroid right now loose is like 78 dollars on on ebay oh wow Crazy. That's, that's more than i would expect but it's um um it's covid covid prices definitely worth it though you know it, it was it, it, four it was 40 one year ago yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, well, I, I wonder, I mean, not the, you know, there's probably multiple ways to play it. it it's probably on the, Sw- it's, well, it's on the SNES Classic for sure. And then oh, yeah, it's probably, probably on, it's probably on Switch, uh, Super Nintendo thing also, you know, why wouldn't it be? Um, My thinking yeah, is yeah. I, I have an RGB modded Super Nintendo right behind me. Of course, yeah. you know, right. And the the PVM is right here. I gotta spend the, the the most amount of money I can. Exactly. Well, no, you're right. Uh, look, uh, eighty bucks worth it for Super Metroid. Uh, okay. Anyway, anyway, Metroid Dread. Like I'm saying, I just I you know one thing about it, this is this is kind of a point in the game's favor, like a backhanded compliment to the game, a little bit. But one thing about like I'm saying, it was hard to be immersed in the world, partly because it was always closed in and tight, and I was constantly having to navigate around things, and I never just got to like open up a shine spark, you know. But anyway, um. Another thing I noticed about it that made it hard to really appreciate the visuals and the design of the environment is that you can't fucking walk in the game. Oh, you got no chill in this game. You're it's always run running. Or duck. Now the reason it's a backhanded compliment though is that your running speed is very good. Like mm. uh, again, it feels great when you're like just the way, just just the actual character movement feels super good. And one of the things is that your movement speed is like really nice. I just wish, come on, like if I give it a half tilt on the analog stick, just walk <laughs> so I can walk through a room yeah. and be like and look around at it and be like, this is a nice looking room that the developer made. Uh, you know, anyway. No, dude, what's... It's too hard to make a game utilize the analog stick in an analog fashion. You have to have it digital. It's either on on or off. That's another slight issue, too, is also the way that since the game, um, this this is the same problem I have with Metroid uh, uh, Samus Returns on 3DS. Um, 
is that uh, because of the 360 degree aiming that you can do, you have to do all your movement on the analog stick, even Aww. just your regular, even just your regular 2D side-scrolling platforming around. You do it with an analog stick, and I really wish you could use the D-pad. I get it; you can't control, you can't aim in all directions with the D-pad. I can use the stick for that, though. Let yeah. me let me run around with an with my D-pad, and then when I hit the button to aim, I'll aim with the stick. That's fine for me, and I feel like it would control so much better. Uh, well, another thing with that is the 3DS's D-pad is isn't it segregated? Kind of like how the Switch is. It's just four buttons. No, the 3DS's isn't. Oh, okay. Well, then fuck me then. I guess it's just dumb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that kind of bugged me too. It's it's not it's not the worst, but I did mention that the game has some really complicated movement puzzles as far as like having to make several precision movements in a row, you know? And doing it with an analog stick uh doesn't feel super great, you know. I'd much rather be using my D-pad for most of it. Uh so those are my gripes, right? Those are my gripes. But on the plus side, overall, though, because of how much I, I really like how well that they nailed all of the video gamey stuff, the movement, the boss battles, the puzzles, all that shit. Uh, overall, I, I did have a wonderful time with the game. Um, it's pretty darn cool. Uh, I would also like to give praise to... Uh, there is one part of the game that you're going to hear is very divisive, and there's a lot of shit about it that is going to be, um, that people are going to have divis- divided opinions on, right? And so, I, this isn't really spoiler territory, because they did show about this in the trailer, but if you didn't even watch the trailer, then I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> Something that was shown in the trailer, alright? There are sections of the game that are stealthy, and you have a, uh, there's like a creepy robot that is following you um, and trying to find you, and you got to be stealthy. Um, people are going to be very divided on these parts because they are stealth sections in your Metroidvania game. Uh, I thought that they were done very well for the most part. I really liked them. Because I think that they got the horror side of it really good, you know. I like know I've was always, a horror side. yeah. So I've always thought that Metroid could really use a little bit of a horror edge to it, you know, because it's like you know, space is scary, dude. And uh, I think that they really nailed it with these Emmy sections, as far as the like the dread, as far as the horror part of it goes. <laughs> Because, like, the thing that's chasing you or the thing that's looking for you are these are these robots. And the setup, the setup is that they want a sample of your DNA. Because this game Ooh. takes place after Metroid Fusion. And in Metroid Fusion, uh, Samus got, uh, or Samus, however you want to say it, she got uh, Metroid DNA in her. They had to inject her with the S- story for you in Metroid Fusion... She gets infected by the X. The X's natural predator is the Metroid. So she gets infected. She gets injected with <laughs> Metroid DNA Ooh. to combat the infection, uh, and it works. However, now she's like got Metroid DNA in her. So now, um, won't this it just like guy, reject? Uh, well, it didn't. Uh, then you wouldn't have a video game, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, we she died. 
we put you know it was we gave it a shot but <laughs> it killed it killed her you know How that's dreadful. not what happened <laughs> um so so i i i Anyway, okay. So the, the 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 reasoning really isn't important, but these things they are trying to get us. They well, okay. So these robots, the setup is that they are made to get samples of DNA, and so they've got like they they so they're like uh, uh, quadrupedal. You know, mm. they can be bipedal, right? They they mm. walk around. They got four limbs. But they're robots, and so the way that they move is kind of creepy. You know, they can like. They can like turn around on their hips, like you know, just like flip their body the other way. Are you they know, like the Star Wars kill bots or something? Like the little rollout robots, you know? Uh, no. You talking about uh, the ones with like the shields and they're like circular? Yeah, like the circle. Circle like, They roll in a circular yeller. Yeah, nah, nah, nah. These things, it's like it's like a humanoid kind of, um, but it can but it also walks around on all fours and you know sometimes like it's walking on all fours right oh but then like okay but then like with its legs down with its hind legs down it'll just like flip its body over and start walking the other way you know roll catch. uh but like <laughs> but yeah exactly like we were talking about with the rc cars uh too the ricochet um you know, it does stuff, but it also does like weird snake-like movements and stuff, and it it, it like gets into vents and comes out of vents and stuff. Ooh. You know, and like the movement of this thing is like very unsettling. creepy and yeah. unsettling. Yeah. Then when it when it sees you, it chases you, right? And uh, and the thing about it is, if it the thing is, they are indestructible, right? They're made of metal that. As far as we know, in our weapons, they are indestructible. And I've been picturing like the Terminator metal, you know, like the T was like the T five thousand or something, like you know, the liquid metal cop guy, Officer oh, Doggett yeah. from or uh, yeah, you know, Agent yeah. Doggett from X Files, that guy. The T one thousand is it the T one thousand Robert Patrick. Robert, I think that's his yeah, name. something like that. Robert Patrick. Um, that guy is really good at running like a robot. By the way, <laughs> yeah, he when is. You, oh my like, god, or, and just acting like a robot. When you watch Terminator Two, remember the part where he's like running behind the car, you know, and you're like, holy shit, that guy's a robot. Just anyway. like blank, expressionless, while also yeah. sprinting like like he's oh. in the Olympics. Right, and then he's like hanging by the car by his yeah. hook arm, and he still <laughs> has that blank expression on his face as he's like as he's fucking crawling up the back of the car oh my god terminator 2 kicks ass dude i can't anyway. tell you how happy i am that i own that on laserdisc <laughs> <laughs> so robot in metroid dread stealth section it chases you if it sees you and if it touches you you instantly die so people are going to be very frustrated by these sections probably because it's so different from the rest of the game uh, but I liked it because I thought that the robot was sufficiently creepy. And also, when it gets you, it's almost like... Did you ever play The Last of Us? Yes. Remember the way that when you died in that game, the guy would get you, and then they do something to you that murders you, but mm -hmm. like the moment that they're doing it to you, it cuts black, you know? So it just gives you this feeling of like, oh, this game actually does that with mm. these robots like they cool. fucking they they get you and then and then the way that they take their dna samples you know they've got like this big like face needle that just blasts into you 
and and then it cuts black <laughs> you know so it's like they get you it's like oh, oh also also you have a chance to escape when they grab you but it's rng and it's super hard to do because you're not supposed to be able to do it reliably because it's scary but you are supposed to have a desperate struggle you know and like they they make this happen perfectly by having it be where when they grab you you have two chances to parry them uh, and, but both of them, again, it's very, it's a very tight window and it's RNG, so you can never rely on it, but because you can get out, you're going to try and it's, and so you're having a struggle, you know, literally as the player and, and, and you're freaking out, you know, they're grabbing you and then it's like, and then, and then you get the little bing, like, like, like opportunity for a parry, you know, and if you miss it, which you almost always will, they grab you, you know, and you're like, fuck. And then you're fuck. They grabbed me. I didn't get it, you know. And then, but then, but you're still braced to try the next parry, right? Because then it, bing, you know, you know, they oh, they're gonna do the next thing, and you try to parry, but you miss it again, and boom, the needle comes out and murders you. So and then it like cuts a, black. A quick time event that you have to go through. It's very similar to a quick time event. You might argue that they are quick time events. The um, the argument against calling it a quick time event is the fact that it's not like a button prompt on screen and it is not random yeah it's l- instead all throughout the game whether you're in a cutscene or not if a character if you see this like this like golden flash on a character that means that you can parry that attack and you press the X button to parry, right? So this is the same thing, it's just in a cutscene. This guy's about to grab you, and his hand does that flash thing before he grabs you, you know? Is, uh, um, and his... Oh, I was gonna say, is the, like... It, I'm thinking, when I think QTEs, I don't think random. You, you, said, you stated that it was random, but it sounds an awful like, it, like it is a QTE, except without giving you the prompts. So you I mean, have yeah, to you kind can, of... You have to kind of like dodge, right? Yeah, yeah. You can definitely interpret it as a QTE, and you won't be wrong, uh, really. But uh, but I think that kind of the difference, though, is that it is a prompt that you get anywhere in the game, like in normal combat, right? Imagine like in Dark Souls, you press L two to parry, right? When an enemy, when a when a guy swings at you, you press L two to parry him, right? imagine that you get the cutscene then after that <laughs> like you're fighting Ornstein and Smo, right and you kill Smo first maybe this time because you're feeling spicy and then Ornstein comes out and in in the cutscene he swings at you and you can press the parry button and parry it right is that a Q- is that a QTE if that happens it doesn't really sound like it but it sounds like it's just one of those things you expect so so you but yeah i'm just saying it's on the line if you call it a qte i won't call you wrong right uh if you don't think it is you're not wrong either anyway i don't know why i found that so 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 important to clarify (laughs) no no it's a it's a very interesting topic i would talk to you about qtes for a whole episode at some point if you want because i have a lot of opinions on how they can be done well and how they can be done not well. I think a lot of people hear QTE and it's in that same boat as like escort quest, you know, and fetch quest and stuff. It's things that are automatically understood to be bad in a game if you hear that it has them. Really? But it's actually something that can be done well. Totally. QTEs are like hugely made fun of, I think, and lambasted. I Unfairly, think so. I think. 
You maybe, don't think so? Maybe I okay. Maybe I'm not paying enough attention, but uh, I mean, like, uh, when I think of QTEs, the first game that comes to my mind is, well, for me personally, Shenmue, but for a lot of people, probably God of War. And God mm-hmm. of War is universally, like, just praised constantly, so. Yeah, I mean, people do like God of War, and that game has a lot of QTEs. I do kind of wonder if, yeah, like, I, I feel like maybe God of War did it and everyone liked it, and then they started to be in every game, and then everyone got sick of them? Probably. For a, li- for a little while there? I mean, it wasn't um, God of War that started it. It was Shenmue, I right. think. But it, First game yeah. I ever played that had QTEs was called Eve of Extinction. I've uh, heard of that. But, but uh, it might it might ha- be after Shenmue, though. So, yeah, it, pr- it probably was. Shenmue was probably first. 99. Anyway. Um... Anywho, uh, okay, what was I saying? I was, oh, 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 point is, when this thing grabs you, you get these two parry opportunities that are really, like, desperate, right? And so it puts so much more impact on the death scene when you have this chance to struggle, you know? And so when you die, you really feel, like, pumped up and, like, oh, God, and, like, adrenaline Like, I could have done something. I could have done something, yeah. Yeah. I had two opportunities, even. (laughs) And... And just the the death, the sudden like face stab, the thing's face like stabbing you, and then it cuts. You know, is so like it. Like I really think they nailed the horror with it. You know, where like you really feel assaulted when you get killed by one of these things. You know, um, and so yeah, I, I I think that that just the cool factor of that alone made up for what was a little bit of frustration getting past them sometime. Uh, like, if I had to criticize the Emmy sections, the the robot stealth sections, uh, it would be that... Um, whoa, I lost it. Uh, oh, that you are supposed to be stealthy? I, I, I kind of was going to ask, how do you implement stealth in a Metroidvania? You have to, like... I mean, like, when I think stealth... The first thing that comes to my mind, uh, speaking of uh, games that have stealth in them that shouldn't, because it fucking sucks, Last of Us, you mentioned earlier, um, mm-hmm. the stealth is kind of terrible, but like it, at least you have a full third-person shooter perspective range of you know freedom of movement. With a Metroidvania, you just got two, you know, two dimensions, X and Y. So, like, yeah. you, you, <laughs> Splinter Cell makes sense. I mean, that's Splinter Cell, sorry. Uh, Metal Gear Solid, when there's three dimensions, I mean, there's kind of two, because like, there's a right, lot right. of places in Metal Gear Solid where it's just like a grid. Um, yeah. But you, it makes sense because you're moving, you're moving through them in like, a, like an overview. Where in Metroid, you got the, the side perspective. How do you get the stealth in that? Is it kind The only way I can think of is, I guess I'm coming back to uh, Oddworld again, Abe's Odyssey. The, the only stealth mechanic in Oddworld is that you can sneak versus normal run. And sneak mm-hmm. makes it so you will not wake up sligs if they're asleep on the job. So, like, if you hold sneak, on the, even if you're on the same plane as them, the same platform, you can sneak by them the whole time. Um... But, you know, the second you take one normal step, they wake the fuck up and just shoot you in two seconds flat. So, like, is that similar to what's going on in Metroid Dread's uh, stealth? Yeah, both of the things you mentioned. So, like Metal Gear, uh, they have a vision cone, you know, and you can break line of sight with them and that kind of thing, and that'll keep them from seeing you. And then, like Oddworld, there is a sneaking 
function uh that they showed in the trailer there's like a i say that because i'm not spoiling that means um i appreciate they uh, they uh there's like a invisibility cloak that you kind of put on right that has a limited time and uh and so you can use that to sneak by them without alerting them to your sound or if they are kind of like in caution it even has like the metal gear kind of like caution versus alert phases you know where uh where you know if they hear you then they'll get suspicious uh and then if they see you then it goes red you know and now they're chasing you right just like um, metal gear so yeah. pretty much right yeah so it's it's so it's got uh it, so it's got all that kind of stuff going on um and but but what i was getting at though with the criticism is that that's the idea right you have tools to get them to not hear you you have tools to get them to look past you you have the line of sight thing however i found that the most effective method to get through these stealth sequences was just to run really fast (laughs) it's always the solution (laughs) yeah like sometimes they'll see me and they'll chase me for a little bit but by the time i get to the door they'll i'll have broken line of sight for long enough that we're back in (laughs) caution and then the door unlocks you know so the stealth aspect of it didn't really work for me because yeah i found it much more effective to just to just run and not even care as long as i don't bump into them and instantly die you know i'm fine yeah i did die a good number of times in in a couple of them though so maybe it maybe on my second playthrough i can investigate a little further uh, yeah, that but is yeah. kind of like how all stealth games end up for me, especially The Last of Us. Is just fucking run, just get the fuck out. I'm you know, sick of I liked shit. the stealth in The Last of Us. You could throw a bottle to distract guys. No, no, I yeah, the- I, I liked that. I just hated how I could be sitting right next to a clicker, and I could be walking slowly, not even crouching, just walking really slow. And they wouldn't give a fuck. But 30 yards away to my left and two stories up, they can hear me if I just take one wrong step. Like, oh my god. I, that The stealth in that game pissed me off bad. Because, like, it, there'd also be, like, specific timed events of a level. You know, part of a level where you can tell is scripted. It's not just happenstance. Th- things don't just spawn because you're there. Um, if I could draw the best uh comparison to it did you you played halo right the first halo no i haven't wow okay um so uh, finally something i can talk about and 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 only (laughs) have the chat relate (laughs) so um in halo um there is a creature called the hunter they're like in the first game they're like the most powerful you know creatures that you can go up against um their whole left arm is like a fucking cannon shield like thing that's like a just a mass of metal so it's like a shield and their other arm is just a gigantic fuel rod cannon and they're armored as fuck they're big and spiky um the only way to kill them is to get up close and personal in between their joints like they have kind of like insectoid bodies where like you can kind of get in between the weak points and like the the, the, you know a vulnerability you could stick like a grenade to it or just unload a couple shotgun shells to it or a couple rockets etc and you can get it done um but those are powerful enemies so you don't want it 
unbalanced to where you accidentally spawn too many or something like that. So you often script these enemies into the game. And I felt like when I was going through The Last of Us, there were times where I was trying to be stealthy, but no matter what, just like there'd be a part of the level where, uh, 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 what's it called? I, I want to call it a boomer because I think about the, uh, the, the Left for Dead zombie, but the big, yeah. like the burster, like the big, like bloated guy, like that guy would just come out and like, am I remembering this right? That is a creature from Last of Us, right? The big bloated dudes that expose. Yeah, bloater. Okay, yeah. Those would just like come out of nowhere, scripted into the game, despite you just walking past all of this area and actually doing good in stealthiness for once. Yeah, bloaters were like mini bosses. You didn't fight very many of them, but they were like a mini boss, so you always fought them for sure. Yeah, I know, but it's just like, the way that that game, uh, I don't know. I just felt that was really buggy and very poorly paced. And every time, every time, the solution was just fucking run. Just just get through it. They're not going to catch up to you. And when they do catch up to you, they have other zombies that you left behind to fight now. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was my strategy. Yeah, you know, I... I, uh, I played the last of us right when it came out and i haven't played it since but mm. uh that when i when i played it it was like 10 out of 10 i thought i i absolutely was kind of blown away by it i was there um, too and that's why it pissed me off so bad because i hated the ending so bad that i didn't care enough to play too oh see i really liked the ending mm-hmm. which made me not want to play two because i liked the ending of the first one so much i was like yep that doesn't need a sequel i can that see that is a wonderful ending you yeah know? based on the plot and and where it was um it, if you knew that that was the ending which i didn't and that might that was like a big contributor to why i hated it because i thought there was more game to go um if you saw that as the ending, I can kind of see where that's like, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to go past that either. I, I'd want to just leave that question open-ended, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. But I was really pissed off because I thought that was an interesting quandary at the end of the game. And mm-hmm. I'm in a building fighting what is the games i'm trying to dance around spoilers here i know it's the last of us i know it's old but still this is a game where we talk about retro games i don't want to spoil it for people <laughs> who, are, who are still waiting to catch up um i was fighting the final boss and i didn't know i was finally fighting the final boss i was fighting what i thought was like a challenging area right before the the, the big climax and as soon as i finished the final boss um i go where the fuck is the rest of the game I don't want to. That's the, cl- the cliffhanger, <laughs> and and oh man, all the work, and like, I, I was I was with you there. I was ten out of ten up until like kind of the mid halfway point, and then I was like, let's stick it out. And then I just got to the end, and I go, that's how it fucking ends. And I was mm. like, mm, dude, I I was pissed because like it was so good that it held my attention the entire time. But it gave me from a like a from a like a satisfactory standpoint of the story, the plot, and even the fucking mechanics itself. Like there was a lot I didn't get to enjoy in that game because of just like how much I didn't like the stealth and just fucking ran through shit. Um, gotcha. Um, but uh, yeah, I was like, 
it, it it pissed me off and i was like yeah last of us too and i was like looking at how it got directed and 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 i guess it's just it wasn't for me anymore yeah, yeah, I right. I never played the second one because um, right, I because well, I really liked the ending of the first one and didn't want it to be expanded upon. Uh, I, and then also I the, the trailer, I found the trailer to be very off-putting. Also, uh, just because I I'm not super into like. Well, it's funny because I liked I liked a lot of the The Last of Us had some pretty gruesome violence in it, but I thought that the the trailer of the second one was like a little bit too much or at the very least I'm, I was thinking like if they're putting this in the trailer then they're really leaning into this aspect of the yeah. world and I don't I don't want to be in that world uh, you know so yeah I just never even played the second one to your point about the first one though um, I don't remember what the last encounter is you know I like I don't remember that game having a last boss or anything okay so spoiler so. alert uh, for those <laughs> who haven't played last of us um, don't listen from 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 this five seconds on and I'll just scream real loud you know and hopefully you guys will hear me you know and then you can unmute then um, so the final boss quote unquote of last of us um, is a bunch of dudes just like a SWAT team, dude? It's like a bunch of oh, hired okay. mercenaries. Okay, you're talking about when you're in the hospital. Yeah, the hospital. You're, yeah, you're yeah, about yeah. to find out the the answer, or or quote unquote right. the answer. Um, yeah, that was such a challenging portion for me. I was like, okay, I can't wait to get through this because these fucking idiots are just gonna this this is gonna lead to a big area. I'm gonna have to fight a big fucking like mob boss. There's gonna be some fucked up shit going on over here. I can't wait to see the end of it. I kill the guys, and we get to a hospital room, and we go, and then story progresses, and then, and then interesting question, moral question, open ended end of the story, um, you know, and it's just like I totally get your perspective and 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 would probably feel the same way too but at that exact moment in time in the game i was so pissed off that i was not about to play any more of the game and mm-hmm. i had no sense of closure and, and and like all the story development that had happened up at that point in time was just pointless like i was like why i uh it's just, it's just I get that you're trying to put me into the element of how awful being a human in this kind of world is, but like, okay. And I get that there's probably also some shit at play in last of us too, like recurring characters, you know, the the important plot points were like, okay, this happened to me. I'm developed as a character this way now, yada, yada. Um, it's just, God damn it. I was like, that's it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I won't rant about it anymore. But, yeah. I think part of what made the ending land for me a little bit was that was the fact that I didn't really get it at first. Like I bought into it at first where like, uh, even though I saw what was going on still when like the ending happens where Joel says the thing, you know, Oh, what did he say? I, well, can, can we spoiler that? What did he, I don't yeah, let's he just spoil it. Let's just spoil it. In in at the end of the Last of Us, the whole point, the whole entire journey in the Last of Us is that Ellie is infected, but mm-hmm. she's not becoming a zombie. So they're thinking, holy shit, Ellie is actually immune to the zombieism. We can use her DNA to create a vaccine. Let's get her to this hospital research facility where they will create a vaccine. So you go through a whole journey. You meet all these 
these characters. It takes a really long time. It takes like a year or a half a year or something over the course of the game. You meet all these characters. You get into all these situations. And finally, after a long, hard journey with Joel and Ellie, they get to the end and Joel find and and she goes into the operation and Joel finds out she Ellie is probably not going to live throughout the operation. She's got the fung the fungus among us is growing on her head on her head and brains and stuff Brain stem and yeah. and they're gonna cut it and she's gonna die. And so he says no. She's like a daughter to me because at the start of the game, he lost his daughter that at the yeah. very start of the infection. Uh, and over the course, no, she's like my daughter that died and is my new daughter. And so Joel goes in there, murders the doctors, and takes Ellie back and runs away with her. And she's under anesthesia at this time, right? Uh, she doesn't, you know, see this part. So he takes her and then they're in uh, back out of the hospital and kills the people making the vaccine uh, out of her. And then they're driving, right? And then they're going somewhere. And that's like a couple days later after. Well, they're driving away. Ellie wakes up and she's like, what happened? And Joel says, turns out. Uh, turns out the fireflies, the people who were, you know, that that we were giving her to, uh, never wanted to make a vaccine. I can't remember exactly what his lie was to her. I don't remember what it was either. He says that, but the point. I thought he just said like he, they couldn't, like it wasn't going to work. I think that's all he said. I, well, yeah, he tells her that they stopped looking for a vaccine though, and that they weren't planning on making it. Uh, but I don't remember his logic I feel of what like, he tells her. I feel like he didn't really let on a whole lot at all. He didn't. Well, I, I definitely specifically remember that he tells her that they were not looking for a vaccine anymore. They're not looking for a cure anymore. Mm. Um, and so, and she's like, oh shit, that sucks. Right. And then, and then it's like a week later, they're hiking and, uh, and, and, and Ellie's like, you know what, Joel, you have to swear to me. You have to swear to me that what you said is true, right? Before, because it's bugging her, right? It's, it's just, it's, it's torturing her mentally for the, for the couple weeks that we don't see because it flashes forward. Um, but, uh, or it skips forward, but, uh, but you know, so she says, swear to me that what you're saying was true. And he turns around and he looks her in the eye and he says, I swear. And then the credits roll, right? Boom. And I, like, at first I bought it. I was like, gosh, that wasn't what I thought I saw in the hospital. But he said it with such confidence and conviction that I bought it and was just kind of weirded out by the ending for like a couple days, you know? And I was just like, weird. Huh. And then I and then I had the realization, like, wait a second, that fucker just lied to her, mm-hmm. you know. And the, and it made me love the ending because, like, I don't know, I felt like I was, I don't know, I, I just the fact that he said it so straight that I bought it for a minute, even though I saw that it wasn't true. And then it took me a little bit to realize it. I don't know that that made me really like it, and I thought that that was a yeah a, a very interesting thing ending. 
That's not what bothered me, and I I do agree. I like that aspect as well. I like that he lied. Um, that all was fine to me. What I was just so angry about was the fact that like that was you know that was the hope, that was the dream for everyone. That was the whole point of the entire game, and he pissed it away. Um, she's going to make me sound like a psychopath. He pissed it away, you know, for Ellie's life. And Hey, that's admirable. Like I, I totally understand. I feel like, you know, it, the game does a great job of putting you into that human element of like, yeah, it, I know it's not rational, but like I've spent all this time with this kid. This kid is like, we've grown attached. You know, I know what she's like. I know, you know, if she's in trouble, like, I know how to get her out. I know what's, you know, I know what the fuck's going on. We're, like, connected. Like, we have an actual, like, emotional soul connection going on. And you feel that. And, like, Naughty Dog is so in such a good position to make a game like that because they are the masters. Based off of Uncharted, they're just the masters of framing a situation in a way that, it might not even be a hundred percent based off the way it looks. Like you can you can have Nathan Drake inject humor into the most like abysmal of situations that he can be in. Um and that's that's what keeps you there. And they kinda do the opposite with the immersion of The Last of Us where they kinda just go um, you know, they they put you in the universe really well by making the universe really fucking suck. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I was so drawn to that because like I was so invested it, it was immersion is putting the, it's putting it lightly but like as soon as I got to the end I was like that's fucking it so we're just gonna go walk in the countryside now like life sucks oh well like uh okay you lied to the kid whatever but like all I did was kill a bunch of idiots in a hospital and it was annoying for three rounds because the AI was shitty in the game. <laughs> and, like, that was the boss. And I was like, what the fuck, man? So I was, like, I was so disappointed by the ending of it. I was like, I don't care about the second one. I don't give a fuck anymore. Like, this is this is not what I want to give my money to Naughty Dog for. Uncharted, even if, um, even if, um, the, you know, the actual original leadership behind that game is is no longer you know behind the vision to it i will still give money to it because i love the series so much um nolan north fucking dude's voice is going to be nathan drake to the end of my days such that i hear like i hear nathan drake in goku sometimes it's weird <laughs> and then i hear goku in nathan drake a lot of times like when go when when, you, when you're playing uncharted and you just fall down to your death he sounds like goku a lot of the time it's pretty funny but yeah anyway yeah, just endings of games that I was... I, I wasn't expecting to go on a Last of Us rant, but... <laughs> mm-hmm. You're right, right. We were yeah. just talking about running through stealth is where we, this kind of started off. Well, I, br- I brought up the Last of Us just because of the death scenes in Metroid Dread. Yeah. Where, like, where like it, it shows you something kind of horrific for a split second before cutting black, you know? Uh, and it just reminded me of that specifically. But, uh, but yeah, so Metroid Dread... It's uh, it's really good. I would definitely recommend it. But, you know, it's not the next Super Metroid. Did you buy uh, the uh, collector's edition? No, they didn't have it. Oh. I, and, you know, I didn't have a chance to like get it early or anything like that. Are you a, are you a CE guy? Not usually, but I am a Metroid guy. Mm, and okay. uh, you know, I thought that the the um 
I thought it looked pretty cool, the collectors of that one. I thought it was just, <clears> like, <throat> I, I looked at it and I was like, oh, it's like 30 bucks more and they sell it at Walmart. Well, why not? Maybe I won't have to wait a year for it at Limited Run Games. I'll just go pick it up if it's there. Why not? I'll check it out. And I'll look at it and it's like, it's an art book. And, and hey, I, I will never shit on art books. I think they're badass. But, like, I think when it comes to CEs, like collector's editions, they should be considered, like, the bare minimum. <laughs> I hope yeah. this doesn't come off, at the risk of sounding entitled, like... When a CE, which is like twice the actual price of the game itself, just has like a steel book, which I'm not a fan of personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're cool, they're sturdy and whatnot, but like they don't they don't shelf well, you know, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But like that in an art book is like it's not really worth thirty bucks more to me, you know. Yeah, I'll tell you my gripe with collector's editions is when they come with a soundtrack but it's only like a sampler oh god you know? or, or when it's just a download code and yeah, anything yeah. any kind of physical media you buy with a download code is just an instant bummer but specifically i've 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 had multiple collector's editions where they they come with a cd that's just got like here's 10 of the songs and it's like fuck what the fuck just if you're gonna put the soundtrack the in, thing. put the soundtrack yeah. in yeah it, it drives me nuts uh, and, it could and, be a holdover I, from the like uh, from the vinyl days where you can't really have a full soundtrack on vinyl without it being like fifty fucking <laughs> LPs. I, I don't know, but uh, what what uh, the the thing that I came to realize though is that they know the a collector's edition is kind of a stupid thing in the first place because the problem with it is anybody who is willing to buy the collector's edition of something is probably also willing to buy all of the things that would come in it separately you know what i mean why put a soundtrack in if someone if someone likes this enough to get the collector's edition of it they're pretty likely to just buy the soundtrack also you hmm. know they're pretty likely to buy a, a little a little plush figure also. I don't know so, if I agree with that, actually. So why put it in the collector's edition? They'll buy it anyway. I don't know. That's, that's, yeah, no, that's I, what I, I think is the soundtrack thing, at least. <laughs> I, I get what you mean, but like I, there's so much shit that's been in collector's editions. The few CE stuff I've ever bought that like I would buy outside of it. Like It's just like, oh, that's neat. I'll get that, you know? It's, it's, it's like a... I guess it's the the whole benefit of a bundle. I guess if you bundle something, you're going to you're telling someone they're they're getting a bargain. And whereas if you buy it separately, it's just like, "Oh, you're a fa- you're a fanatic, you know?" Yeah, th- well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um so yeah, I mean, if the if there is a collector's edition that comes with a lot of stuff and you look at it all and you go, "Yeah, I want all of this," and then the price is good and then it's a bargain. And yeah, I get then that. And then the price is good. <laughs> How do you like those collector's editions that don't come with the game? Have you seen these? No. I'm not even, I'm not even joking. Have you seen <laughs> what? these? What game is this? Um, there was a Mass Effect Andromeda one, I think. Maybe it wasn't Andromeda, but I think it was, where it came with like a model of the fucking ship. Wait a and minute. It came with a, and it came with a steelbook case, but it did not come with the game. <laughs> <laughs> so this, the fact that it came with a steelbook case is even stupider, because it's like, yeah, hey, this is where you would put your fucking separately game. <laughs> and take the disc out and put it in this one. Ugh. <laughs> That's filthy. Or um, they expect you to buy the game digitally and just put the case on your shelf? I don't well, fucking d- know, Dude, what, wasn't it uh, Fallout 4? There was like a Fallout 4 
scandal where it's like you could buy this ultra mega $300 collector's edition where it had like the fat man or the fat boy bomb that you could open up and it would have like you know the place for the game in it or something i i want to say it was that i can't remember exactly i'm probably fucking it up but there was some big collector's edition that was like $300 didn't have the game in it mhm just had yeah. the statuary like oh dude yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Just call oh. it what it is, you know? Don't call it a fucking <laughs> collector. No, it's not the game. You're not selling the yeah. game. Anyway. So that stuff is silly. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. So uh, did you have anything uh, that you've been uh, I, itching to? I w- yes. Um, well, I have a prediction. I bet I know what you're going to talk about this week. You... I have a coin flip. Um, you probably know because you're Are you also be talking on this. about Melty Blood. No, no, you haven't been playing it. It's the new fighting game. I heard you haven't been playing it. I have been playing it, not enough to form an opinion, enough to <laughs> such that oh, fighting okay. game people coming here probably don't already know. I, okay. I thought you were going to predict that I was playing because I have been playing this game, which. Uh, Hey, look, it's not Oh, reversed. yeah. Hang on. I'm not allowed to hear about this game because I'm supposed to play it also, and you and I are racing as well as other people who are playing it. Tomb Raider, Angel of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. we and our friend group were supposed to all play this game and record yeah. ourselves playing it slash stream without knowing anything about it, without watching each other play it, and we're racing who can beat it first. I haven't started yet. I don't think I'm allowed to hear you talk about it. Yeah, we'll so talk I'm... talk about it next month. Well, I'm not going to say a whole lot about it. Um, okay. And, and the reason I'm not going to say a whole lot about it is because I haven't been allowed to gather a whole lot of information about it. Um, this is a slog. I have not played... Full disclosure, I have not played any Tomb Raider game before, except for whatever the fuck it was on the the official U.S. PlayStation Magazine monthly demo disc, and it was yeah. like I got I got to be Laura, you know, you know, triangle boobies and everything. Like I get to run around in an area that looks a lot like Venice because it's a canal, and I get to I remember this because distinctly, this is the first game I have ever been allowed to control a boat in. And, okay. Yep. Yep. And that was fantastic to me. And th- this is just a demo a thing disc. that like a kid w- that would stand out to a kid. Yeah. Playing game, playing demo games when they're mm-hmm. younger. Yeah. Totally. So, so my my experience is five minutes of this L shaped canal that I can do an Austin Powers seventeen point turnaround in, and then go around again for another round of boating, and just have the time of my life for five seconds in a Tomb Raider game, and having no idea what the fuck Tomb Raider is even about. All I know is I saw the movie in theaters with angelina jolie and i thought she was a perfect uh perfect lara croft but this game i will not talk about i will not give details about i will just say that remember that game i played a little bit ago that called vaccine where it's that new kind of like modern re like re-perspective i guess you'd say that's not even a word to uh resident evil mm-hmm. so you have the tank controls um this game has those controls except it doesn't and uh the controls that you think are relegated to a uh, to, to a d-pad or 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 l1 r1 like you know shoulder buttons um all i'll say is that is on a stick and it took me hours and i will say literally hours um to get past the first level 
No, 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 no. Second level. Um, but I scrubbed a, a, a couple runs because I technically had a game over in the first level. Let's just say this game is not designed well. Um, there's going to be a lot to talk about bad about this game from you and I in the coming period. And uh, I'm sure that's going to be fun for people to, to, to sit in. The other game that I thought was going to be on the other side of the coin. Um, I, are you, are you, hang on. What's up? Can I talk about Tomb Raider a slight bit too? Oh yeah. Go ahead. Let, let's not. Yeah. Let's not go. over. I, I, I was going to say um, that. Yeah. Probably next week is probably just going to be Tomb Raider Angel of Darkness because I'll probably have played it that, that by then mm-hmm. maybe we'll both have finished it at that point. And yeah, maybe we'll just yeah. r- talk about it. I just wanted to say it's very interesting hearing you talk about your history with Tomb Raider because I have the exact same history with Tomb Raider. Oh, sick. Uh, except it was a different demo. So I also had a demo of Tomb Raider, but it was Tomb Raider 2. Uh, and yeah, Mine so might I played have been. this. I actually don't know. I which played one. this demo of Tomb Raider 2. Uh, it was like the Great Wall of China level or something. Um, what I remember about it the most, the demo, is that there was a part where you could fall into a bed of spikes. And I had never seen or thought of a bed of spikes before Whoa. that idea. Really? And it was like, it was deeply upsetting to me. <laughs> like I, I saw the, the bed of spikes d- death scene and like my chest hurt. Whoa. And I, and as a kid, I was, I was just deeply, deeply sickened by it. Hang on. Um, you were not a fighting game kid, were you? No. You didn't play a whole lot of Mortal Kombat, did you? I Well, I played a little bit of Mortal Kombat. Did you, you play know, Mortal the Kombat? The fatality is totally different. I don't well, know. Well, yeah, but did you play Mortal Kombat 2? Mm, probably at some point. So there's a stage fatality. You know stage fatalities are, Oh, right? yeah. That's way different, though, because it's just like the character just like falls onto the ground basically no that's another stage that's the pit where he falls off a big bridge and there's like yeah, gigantic spikes at the, the bottom I'm thinking of. um no the the one i'm thinking of i actually can't remember the name of the level off the top of my head but instead of being a pit that you fall off of the 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 level fatality for this is that you would just you do a special button combo and then an uppercut and then the uppercut hits you so hard that you stick to the Time like hundreds oh, the, of like the spikes, ceiling spikes? ceiling spikes at the top. You just stick to okay, the top of the yeah, level, yeah. and that's oh, like yeah. I, when I saw that as a kid. Uh, I it's it's hard to kind of recall where in your life and you know what time period of your life that you remember specific. <laughs> You know, yeah. learning about specific cruelties the human humans humans have enacted upon each other. Um, but I want to say I knew about a bed of spikes before I saw that in Mortal Kombat Two. Because you know what it was? I used to watch the uh, the Masked Magician on PBS all the time, and he would have this trick where he'd have like a whole lot of helium balloons attached to him, and he would lay on a like a bed of nails and some shit like that. So, oh yeah, I yeah, guess yeah. I, I I guess. It's it's like, you know, fear of pain, obviously, but it's also that like half tripophobia where it's just like fear of mm. a lot of shit at, at one point, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, a lot of hurt right there in one small area, pain, bad, leave that area. 
Well, uh, yeah, you know, the, the spikes in Mortal Kombat were so silly and like the way oh, that yeah. the care, the way it's 2d and the characters are just these, did these pictures, you know, Mortal Kombat didn't bug me at all. But, uh, but yeah, now that you mention it though, I don't know whether, you know, maybe I did see those spikes before Tomb Raider. I'm not sure. But what I remember is I played the demo of Tomb Raider 2 and I was very deeply upset by the, <laughs> by the spikes in that, uh, and all, and, and it made me like, afra- like I, I was afraid to get that far in the demo. I would play the demo sometimes cause I thought it was fun to jump around, but, uh, was that one I of your first wanna... like scary memories from a video game? Yeah, probably. Mm. Um, but anyway, so then also, so that was the, I played that demo. That was it. And then I saw the movie with my dad or something, right? We saw the movie and I was also like, Angelina Jolie, what a great choice for Lara Croft. Uh, and then that's it. So. Yeah, that's anyway, that's yeah. all. Yeah, and that's kind of like it's kind of all I think anyone really remembers about the Lara Croft movie was just yeah, Angelina Jolie, badass. <laughs> mm-hmm. She she did play it perfectly and I, and I I still kind of consider like I, I I don't know why, but I considered a spiritual successor. You ever seen that movie Mr. and Mrs. Smith where it's her and Brad Pitt? <laughs> I haven't seen it, but I know about it. They're just like both, they're they're like husband and wife in a suburb house and like they're both secret agents, but neither of them know about it. (laughs) They just both have their own, you know. I didn't know that they didn't know that each other were secret agents. Yeah. So like they're always, you know, they're both like abnormally acrobatic and, you know, trying to kill each other, but are too good to, to not die from each other's ways of trying to kill each other when they're mad. It was a, entertaining movie but it was like it was like laura croft uh 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 middle-aged <laughs> i guess gotcha i've got a box elder bug on my light up here it's driving me nuts you hear what uh, bug a box elder bug a oh do you not ha- do you- elder uh, yeah do you not have those where you live i have something i suspect you're you're referring to that we may call june bugs no, we also have June bugs. Okay. It's not that. No. Box elder bugs, they're like they're like f- smaller, they're flat, they're orange and black. They tend to lump up and just like sit in big piles of each other. Oh, uh, these guys. You know. Oh, I've seen a couple of these. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. We get a lot of them around this time of year or a little bit before now, you know. It's kind of the end the end of the box elder bug. Type, never seen their never heard of their of name is. before. One of them is in my house and on my light right now. Anyway, you said that there was another game that you were considering talking about. What is it? Uh, so I started playing. <laughs> I guess I I should preface this by saying I think I've come to the realization that uh, when it comes to being like a retro gaming kind of person, kind of guy, collector guy, I guess you could call. Um, I think I'm. I think I'm a lot more like our friend Popo in that I think I'm just more into the technology of it than than even the games aspect. Like, of course, I love video games, but like I'm not doing it for the video games, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm doing it because I find the technology interesting. I love playing with it. Um, I love getting mad sciency with like video signals and seeing what I can do and how I can manipulate shit and all that stuff. But either way, um, I... I've come to the realization that I'm a technology person in that like, 
because I was so interested in fishing games, I was like, I gotta get this fishing rod controller. Now that I, I'm so interested in fighting games, of course, I gotta make a fight stick. I've got two fight sticks. One I customized just because I thought it would look cool. I bought another one just because I thought it would look cool, and I already had one. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I, I'm a tactile person, I guess. And now I've been playing this game called Dirt Rally 2.0. And I am not... You told me about Dirt Rally 2.0 last week! Did I? Or last no, I didn't. time, yeah. Didn't I say yeah. I would talk about it, though? Yeah, we talked about it. We didn't and talk I was about making, it. I was making fun of the narrator voice. Oh, yeah. Short, Wait long, a short, to the left <laughs> over a jump. You know, all that shit. Okay, well, then let me just talk okay, about tell this. Okay, me, tell me more about it. Well, okay, so... If I've talked about that, then there's probably not much else I can I, I need to inform you about beyond that for the game. But I've been getting into just how much you can change how this game plays and looks and feels based yeah, off. You of- were telling me about how oh I can tell that my back right tire is a flat because of how the car feels. And you that's just through the dual shock though. And then you were telling me about how you don't like need for speed because of something about yeah, like yeah, the, putting a the, the, I went the grip onto rant. a piston and that doesn't make any sense or something. <laughs> but, again- <laughs> but then but then this game is good. <laughs> Putting a turbo on All right, a piston. I'll quit interrupting. I'll quit interrupting <laughs> you. What, what is it now? No, no. I was just gonna say. Well, I, I, I think I've discovered that I, I get into these games more when I'm allowed to physically interface with them better. Um, I was going off about how just I was, how, I was impressed because it's like it's, it's basically a sim game, and I didn't realize it was a sim game. I thought it was like an arcade racy game, and I got a few friends that we have a championship going now, and I compete against their times. But I was like, the more I played it, the more hours I put into the game, every fucking time I would have to restart a time trial, like... I swear to God, like eight out of 10 times was just from me going full ham doing perfectly in the level the entire time. until I get near the end of the track near the finish and just some stupid overcorrection that I do sends me just like just fucking right off into the cabbage, just right into the trees and then terminal damage. Uh, you know, you fucked up your car, do it again. And it's just like, I know that I've gotten the track down in my mind enough that I know where these turns are. But playing with a DualShock controller, I've just been like, yep, wouldn't have fucked up there. Wouldn't have fucked up there. Wouldn't have fucked up there. And uh, the, the predicate to this is, had I had a racing wheel set up. So this game has now gotten me to buy a $250 solution. Nice. Does it have like 900 degrees of turning on the wheel and shit? No, it has 180. So um, the Thrustmaster T150 that I just bought is the intro kind of like intro wheel by Thrustmaster to compete with Logitech's G29. Um, I got the the T150 Pro because included with that is like the better pedals. Like apparently the base T150 comes with the shittiest pedals ever and it's not worth buying it over the Logitech because of that. But anyway, I digress. I got into this this fucking race wheel thing. A, because I have a friend on Twitch, Lord Shadowcaster. Um, 
awesome Finnish streamer. If you ever go check him out, he um, he played a, a couple racing sims that I just I was fascinated watching because I'm I'm not really much for watching motorsports myself, but like any kind of sport, I can have fun with it if I'm personally in it and enjoying it. So uh, I love racing games. Um, I, I really dig ride that motorcycle game demo. But anyway. This game got me to just fucking get pissed off all the time at how much I was fucking up because I'm like, I'm steering a fucking car with with my thumb and not even like two thumbs with just one thumb. And I'm just like, there's so much input that is coming into me uh, like visually that I have no ability to actually act on. There's so much information that's coming to me that I can't act on because I'm too busy and uh sucking it, let me just get this out of the way i suck at this game <laughs> i'm not complaining that i'm bad because i don't have a race wheel but i'm just noticing that like i'm not good enough with a dual shock to to get through a level such that i'm satisfied that i have beaten my time previously like i'm having lots of times where i just go yeah i'm right there i probably wouldn't have fucked up if i wasn't spending time not careening off that way because my thumb slipped you know so it's like I'm learning that with this game and pretty much with all racing sims you are you can change, you know, the entire fucking game based off of how much effort you're willing to actually put into like building like a race setup like do you want to buy a stand to attach your wheel to so it doesn't you don't have to set it up onto a desk every time do you want to like fucking build a chair onto like an actual wooden platform do you want to make it so you have three monitors instead of just one so you actually get the full peripheral view which in a game like dirt rally the one i'm playing is very important because you're making swift turns and they're often blind um if you can't look to your left and you know i've also thought about like you know, this game's probably pretty fun in VR too. You won't even need three monitors if you. Can I just was going to ask you that. Yeah. Oh my god, dude! I've been going down the rabbit hole because of this game. Like, I, this game's on sale. This is my problem. Things go on sale or are given to me for free, and it makes me end up spending a lot more money than I would have later on. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking into this rabbit hole of like, holy shit! Because I watched a YouTuber. Um, there's like degrees of, of 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 race wheel setups like there's like you know you can put a wheel on your desk and your pedals underneath the desk and there you go there's i can fold out a chair that has like a, a stand attached to it there's a full-on stand then there's a full-on cockpit that you can buy and it gets to the point where even uh you, after you spend multiple thousands of dollars you can get like this motorized like whole rig kit to where you can program the input of the game to to go and and calibrate to these motors that give you three ranges of motion and it blew my mind because i was like yeah it's real fucking cool that i could play this game and feel totally different about playing it by being in a chair that physically moves me around to the motion of the game like that's just fucking cool but the youtuber i was watching playing it also had a vr headset on and i was watching um 
I was watching the footage that he was capturing, you know, while he's talking about it's this is B-roll. So he's talking about the subject of the video and this is going on. And I'm mind blown and captivated by the fact that the camera while he's racing is shaking like so violently. And I'm like, holy shit, this looks so intense because that's presumably what you'd be seeing in a real rally car going 60, 80 miles an hour over a dirt road that's not meant to be traveled any more than 20 miles an hour, you know? So it's like, you're going to be seeing that. And it just brought me into this question of like, not really related to the game, but it's like, how much of an experience from me just sitting here with a DualShock 4 PlayStation controller, how much of a difference between this and the tens of thousands of dollars later with the complex VR setup in the moving chair that just moves you perfectly with the road, the thousand dollar wheel setup that's direct drive, not belt or pulley driven, all that. How much of that money spent giving you that immersion translates to worse track times <laughs> like at what percent oh, yeah. are you a superhuman right. because you're just using a dualshock 4 to control a car you know <laughs> that yeah that that is a, a funny question because right because at, at first maybe you'd be getting better at first right yeah. because like maybe the steering wheel gives you more precise turning the pedals give you more precise uh you know braking and acceleration but then yeah now when you're adding stuff like uh my vision is v- like shaking <laughs> right now yeah now now it's harming you yeah that is a, that is a it's funny so thing. funny it's like it's it's beyond the point of diminishing returns right so for those who don't know diminishing returns just the is the idea of the more you put into something especially like monetary wise the less actual experience you get back dollar right and now we're talking though it goes into the negative where it's like not now it's making it worse i'm actively Uh, shittier at this because it's more accurate (laughs) to real life and it's like wow that's that's a it's come full circle and i guess that's kind of what i was trying to get into with with dirt rally this time is like it's making me realize just how much deeper the game goes and and how much like racing games are like uh I, I saw some person complain on Twitter is like the the best graphics ever are wasted on racing games. And it's just like, well, not really. First of all, it's not a zero sum game where one game gets shitty graphics and the game you like gets worse graphics. But <laughs> second of all, it's like it they can be because A, um, they're not redefining the wheel of reality. They don't have to do anything but just model a car it's like hey a new car is out let's perfectly model it okay it's in the game cool um they can use high-res textures um they can they can do so much because so much in a racing game is not going to be before you to interpret for just a couple for a couple seconds because it's going to be gone so like detail in the crowd doesn't have to be as serious so it allows you to focus on the graphics of the moment and Essentially, you know, I'm getting into a bunch of developer talk where I'm talking out my ass, but graphics in racing games has historically, in my opinion, for good reason, been way better than every like game surrounding them because they they have to also simulate realism, which is another thing that the target market is after. Well, I'm no game developer either, but I've always thought that racing games have looked better because cars don't walk. 
yeah, you know, like, sure. like the, the so much less time has to be spent animating cars. articulation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it all goes into the modeling, right. And it all goes into the shaders or whatever you call them. I mean, and a, like, a big part of that, I mean, you're going to have to have a lot. There's, there's a tons of detail that goes into the deformation of a car based on damage and such like that. Like mm-hmm. it, if you have realistic crumple, that's going to obviously take a lot of computation, but I know what you mean. Like for an arcade racer, that car is not going to change shape at all. Right. Right. So, yeah. Um, right. So like nowadays, uh, so right. So in, in that case, it's kind of behind, right? Because old racing games on like PlayStation and stuff, they don't have to worry about, yeah, the idea of like the texture on this thing is a mesh that has to look good as it stretches into different shapes. Nah, nah, nah. You know, when they don't have to worry about any of that, they can make it look a lot better. Um, and then, yeah, nowadays it's like, okay, well, now they have to do realistic crumpling and damage and stuff. But that's still, you know, less than what other games are having to do where they're trying to do that shit and there's a human around, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's always kind of been my two cents on why racing games look so good. Uh, also, this, wet though. pavement just... Uh, they've oh. they've had wet pavement down for a long time, you know, and that, that always looks good. <laughs> it's, the, it's the only... God damn it. It's like... It's such low-hanging fruit. That was my complaint last time we had this conversation. It's like, it's such low-hanging fruit to make the roads <laughs> wet. And then and then not even do anything about it when it comes to a road grip surface low. It's like... Oh, yeah, whatever. yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, and it, man, I, I was kind of thinking about it more. I was like, these motorized, like, uh, you know, cockpit setups look amazing for, for VR. But then there's people who, like, you know, they're still hard mount three monitors on there and i'm just watching three monitors just like yank about (laughs) in all three directions and i was like oh be terrified especially like for like um you know high refresh rate 144 hertz monitors that are just expensive as hell i'd be afraid to rig them up like that yeah i uh oh yeah with with like them shaking and stuff you mean with the with the exactly exactly. and and, okay so like i guess it's just a risk you take because you're you're it's going back to the tactileness of, of of the the situation. It's like it's cool to feel the violent shakes because that's what you'd feel. But uh, it's still a lot of money to put in that situation. But I don't know. I remember uh, Sega for Sega. There was like a there was like a vest you could get. Uh, that was it was like a rumble. It was like a vest that rumbled. Yeah, I, you know, back in those days where there was the, there were so many like just the dumbest accessories for any games you've ever seen. You know, um, and one of them was like a like a thing you wore that rumbled. I remember my brother telling me that he thought he thought that it was like something that was supposed to give you then the sensation of what the character was experiencing in the game. Yeah. So like if you got shot, it would make you feel <laughs> like you got shot because he's a little kid. Kid, you yeah, know yeah. but then but then he thought about it for a second and was like wait a minute that sounds like the dumb the worst thing ever <laughs> <laughs> dude we're and just gonna shoot out, you <laughs> yeah and then it turns out all it does is rumble anyway but yeah you know, anyway. well you to be fair if there was an advertisement around that product that's exactly what you'd see a kid just got fucking right. shot totally like yeah yeah in a magazine ad that's what it would be like that's what the ad would be would be like the kid getting literally stabbed you know and and thinking it was awesome uh it's it's funny that you bring that up too because like uh, force feedback is 
I, I guess it's kind of the center of this of this kind of thing, you know, except for like fishing rod controllers that don't have that. But still, like force feedback is just vibration in general is just such an underrated thing like there there's there's old school gamers i've seen on twitter who like they're just like eh, as soon as i get a console i turn vibration off arms crossed and i'm just like why does that bother you i guess i guess after like if you're 30 years old and all of a sudden the thing you use to to to, to like to, to play games starts buzzing now i guess i could find that annoying but from my perspective it's always just been something that increases the immersion and um Dude, they make they they make force feedback crazy in race wheels, but they make things down to like there's something called a butt kicker. It's just like this like it looks like a big fucking just plastic resin shiny like red pink like piece of like resin or something like on the end of like a flap of metal that wraps around like a center pole underneath your chair and like you attach a cord to it <laughs> and it like it's called a butt kicker. It it adds force speed forward, force feedback to your chair. And it's like I I've been going through I mean obviously that's not something I can afford right now so I wasn't looking at that but like I was looking at the the force feedback between the different wheels and it's just like well this one's gear driven and this one's belt driven so it'll be smoother and this one's got a belt gear hybrid and all this this one's direct drive and I'm just like this is interesting. I, I'm so yeah. into like how I can interface with these games, you know? Yeah, I, I've got I, I go back and forth on Rumble um, because in some games it really does help and it's very cool. Mm. Uh, but if I play a game and there's no Rumble, like, uh, you know, sometimes if you like use a controller on PC, you know, it just doesn't know how to Rumble it or something, right? Like, uh, especially. Um, Poorly uh, calibrated, like switch, yeah. Especially like the switch controller uh, and stuff, um, and I and I don't miss it. I don't miss it when it's gone. Uh, some games use it pretty well, but my big gripe with it uh, came about on the Wii U when uh, it stopped really being a rumble and it started feeling more like a cell phone vibrating. Oh, you know, haptic feedback. I, I find the sensation of a vibrating phone in my hand to be very unpleasant. Mm. And I felt like that's what the Wii U gamepad kind of did. And it was loud. So it's like this very fine vibration that goes in your hand <laughs> every time it vibrates. And I hated it. Uh, it is the worst when you can hear it spinning up. Yeah. And, um, and I think that the Switch kind of has the same problem a little bit so yeah so i i generally don't use rumble on the switch or the wii u even though i haven't played that in a while but you know um but uh and uh even the ps5 does it a little bit everyone loves the the rumble of the dual sense you know mm -hmm. and mm, you know it's fine most of the time it's pretty cool how good it feels sometimes right but when they do just really give it that like you know you're getting a phone call vibration in your hand i hate how that feels so yeah. yeah, I don't know. I go I go back and forth on it. It I, also drains your controller life way faster. Oh yeah. Like when on the PS4, I always noticed that the PS4 controllers felt like they lasted like 30 minutes, you know, uh, before you had to charge them. Not literally, I'm exaggerating, but the the PS4 controllers did not last very long on batteries. And then I realized 
I think it's because I'm playing a lot of Destiny. And if you pay attention when you're playing Destiny, the controller is rumbling at some speed for some reason, like 95% of the time. Yes, I agree There is with that. some kind of vibration going on. And I kind of like liked that. When I, when I first bought my PS4, um, I bought the white edition that came bundled with Destiny just because I thought, wow, the white PS4 actually looks pretty badass. So, uh, and, and I was a big Halo 2 fan back in the day. So I was like, ah, you know, Destiny looks like it has a Halo feel, except it's a different cool kind of story. I'll check it out. I checked it out. I liked it. Um, and that was the first first-person shooter experience I had for a long time. Honestly, probably since Halo 2. Um, where I wasn't on PC, and when I was, I I I do, I do distinctly remember uh, Destiny having a lot of of vibration going on for various reasons in any level, um, even to communicate things such as distance, like like frequency of vibration would be very low, and you would be like, oh shit, I had a very weak but long pronounced one thump kind of kind of deal going on through my hands. And that I was, I was instantly like, oh my God, I would have never gotten this through, through mouse and keyboard. And I was like, it's kind of bittersweet because when it comes to first person or even third person shooter games, I can't not do keyboard and mouse. I need that precision. Um, but when I played Destiny, I was like, holy shit, there's a lot more information being transmitted to me through my fingertips than I'm used to getting. And that's pretty badass. And and, yeah. and that's kind of like what I'm getting at with why why I'm buying this race wheel is like in there's just there's a lot of information you're not getting through a standard controller that um not necessarily in order to get good at the game but an, an easier way to get good at the game is to you know a know that information is being transmitted to you but also be learn how to act on it instead of just blindly guessing with you know a stick or anything else like a just a base controller um even down to like such dude do you remember steel battalion i know a lot of people who know the name steel battalion um for the 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 xbox game game oh okay oh i'm thinking of battalion wars for no no, yeah no a a (laughs) lot of people know the name steel battalion uh like me but have never played it because we all a lot of people like me saw it in a magazine it's the one with the two joysticks in that big control center looking like gigantic controller it was like a 300 hundred dollar game i want to say because of that controller it it came bundled with it yeah Okay, okay. It, there was also a Connect Steel Battalion game oh, that was I don't know about that. made by FromSoft. Nice. And was also said to be like perhaps the worst Connect game. Nice. Like uh, <laughs> like of all the Connect games that worked like shit because they all worked like shit because the Connect was a huge pile of garbage, mm-hmm. but this one was apparently like the worst. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Well, it's um <laughs> I well, I guess I think I forgot what I was force feedback etc <laughs> no no it's it's all good i'm just it's like i'm i'm learning just like why well you know me I, i'm already kind of into the arcadey kind of style of video gaming anyway um and i guess this is kind of just reaffirming that because with arcades you get the opportunity to use hardware that you don't have in your home. Like you go to play Terminator two, you'll get this gigantic fucking Uzi that has a big red grenade button on the side. For some reason, um, you don't have that control at your house. If you did, the cops would get called or something bad would really, something really bad would happen. Anyway. Um, 
you go to play Hydra Thunder, you get a race wheel. Oh, that's cool, whatever. Oh, but you also get a, a fucking hand throttle like a boat would have. You go to play, uh, <laughs> and I've never seen one in person, but uh, you go to play uh, uh, Fisherman's Bait, co- the Konami arcade fishing game, and they actually have a real fishing rod controller with a real like like heavy-ass brass reel from what I saw. And I was like, that's fucking cool. I love that I can get quick bursts of like real feel of the uh, of the kind of game that I wouldn't get from just using the same controller for you know the one console I have um so like just the the idea that I can immerse myself easier based off of hardware is just something I've been nerding out about anyway I don't know where I was going any further with that <laughs> yeah, yeah uh yeah yeah if you um we are running out of time a little bit here uh do you want uh, but i i i I got this final fantasy news should we uh, can i give you the short version news you say that's right Hmm. so final fantasy 7 from a speed running perspective has sort of been broken pretty wide open not well, something very, very, very big happened. I saw Turns out, you skipped mm-hmm. a whole area, and is that new? Yes. So, well, there's a couple area skips that happen in the speedrun. The latest one is one that everyone has wanted for a very long time, which is Calm. Calm, yeah. When you when you first get out of Midgar, the first thing that they tell you to do, like the first time that you see the world map, you get out of Midgar, you're on the world map in the video game for the first time, and they say, go northeast to Calm. So you go northeast to Calm, and you have the whole flashback sequence there. The very famous Final Fantasy VII flashback sequence where you go where you go to Nibelheim, your cloud, you have Sephiroth with you. Did Sephiroth do this? Uh, yeah, so, well, that, that's all the stuff that comes later. But, uh, but yeah, where like he goes nuts, he burns down the town and, you know, yeah. he takes Genova's head. and That's calm, uh, right? Uh, yep. Okay. Oh, well, well, it's the town of Nibelheim that he burns down. Oh, right. But the but this whole flashback sequence that you get occurs in Calm. Calm being your hometown as a kid. No, that's no? Nibelheim. That's Nibel. Oh, that. Okay. What am I? What am I getting confused here? Which one's Calm? Calm is the town that you go to when you very first leave Midgar. First oh. thing that happens, you're on the world map. Oh, the one that goes to the Golden Midgar. Saucer. No, that's oh. Coral. Damn it. <laughs> uh, so listen. All listen. right, go ahead. So you're, you're, you started the new game of Final Fantasy VII and you're in Midgar, right? For a few hours. And then you finally do that thing where you're on the motorcycle and then you fight the thing at the end of the bridge and then you leave Midgar. And for the first time, you're on the world map. Remember this? Yeah. First time you're on the world map. Bunch of dirt. And the characters say, go northeast. And so you go northeast and what you find there is Calm, which is just a little town Nothing really special is there. Maybe that's why I can't but, Yeah, nothing really is special there. But when you go to the inn, you have the flashback sequence. And that's oh. what everyone does remember is the flashback sequence because that's where, like, you have that FMV of Sephiroth in the flames, you know, yeah. and he turns, he's looking all cool, and then he turns around and he walks into the fire, you know, and everyone, super famous moment, everyone remembers it, right? 
However, in a speedrunning context, this whole sequence is kind of pointless because it's a flashback. You don't get any experience. You don't get any items. Not you know, it's just a shit. You know, it's not very exciting gameplay wise. It's not very hard speedrun wise. It's just a long cutscene, basically. Yeah. But it's been found out that you can skip it. Ooh. Uh, here's briefly how it works. I'm gonna try to be brief here. But the thing is, you can just run past Calm. You don't have to go there in the game. Tech, well, you do, but I'll get to that. Like, you can just run past it, and the next place that you can reach at that time is the Chocobo Ranch, and you can catch a Chocobo. If you catch a Chocobo, you can get past the swamp with the Midgar Zolom in it. The developers never intended anyone to be able to get past the swamp without a Chocobo. You could, excuse me, you can do it, but uh, you're supposed to have a Chocobo, right? And you can go past the swamp. And you can go into the mines, the caves, right? And the cave, when you come out of the cave on the other side, that's where Junon, the next part of the game, is, and Fort Condor. But in that cave, though, in that cave, if you go there right away, there is a hard stop to your progress where if you touch a certain line as you're walking, they stop you and they say, this isn't calm, we gotta go back to calm, uh-huh. right? And you cannot get through that cave. Right. So what was discovered, though, is that chocobos are kind of (laughs) weird. And the way that the game treats Cloud while he's on a chocobo is kind of weird. And there are there are a lot of things about what was just found that all happens to work out very perfectly. I smell uh, laziness and programming coming up. Uh, maybe it was just an oversight, mm. but you're on the, you're, you're thinking right here. Something tells me so, like the game interprets when cloud is on a, on a chocobo, the game interprets it as he's in the future in in the events somehow. Um, okay. Let's get to it. Okay. So, so I mentioned that they never intended you to be able to get through the swamp without a chocobo. Right. And I said that for a very good reason. They have this very specific trigger in the game. When you run across the swamp, you get to this little patch of grass that's in front of the that's in front of the cave, right? There's mountains on either side of you, there's a swamp behind you, the cave's in front of you. It's just this tiny little patch of grass, right? Uh, and you get off and you have to get off the chocobo to get into the to get into the mines. Now, the thing is, in this game, if you don't own a stable at the Chocobo Ranch, when you get off a Chocobo, it runs away, mm-hmm. right? Because it's wild. You haven't stabled it. It's wild. It just runs away the moment that you get off the Chocobo. But if that happened to you at this point in the game, you'd be stuck because you go into the mines and they say, turn around, go back to Calm. And you want to turn around and go back to Calm, but there's a swamp here now that you just ran past and you can't get back across the swamp because your Chocobo mm. ran away, right? How, so they thought of this and they made it so that it, when you are spec- when you step onto this specific spot of grass with a chocobo, uh, when you get off of it, cloud tells it to stay and it stays there so you can get back on it. Um, and then the, so in memory, it's like a single bit of data in Ram, right? Where when okay. you step on, when you step onto this grass, it turns on, right? And then in like the middle of the swamp, there's another line that if you, if you pass, because you're going to pass that on the return trip on your Chocobo, it turns back off, right? 
So it turns on when you step on the grass so that when you get off the jogger boat, it doesn't run away and then you can get back on it. And then it turns off when you cross the swamp back to the regular area so that you can get back to calm. Does this make sense so far? That's not lazy, as lazy as I thought it, it would be. No, no, okay. don't, don't, no, 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 don't look into any of this yet. This is intended oh, gameplay okay, that I'm okay. describing to you. This is intended gameplay, right? That all makes sense? Yep. Okay. So here's the deal also. Um... I, I, I am explaining this in a slightly confusing order. Uh, uh, so, because first we're talking about the ch- the newfound chocobo trick, uh, which I should have explained second. Um, but we'll get into it. So, turns out, um, you know what? I am going to explain it in the other order. So just keep that in mind for later. All right. Anyway, so when you are on a chocobo in Final Fantasy VII, Cloud's coordinates or gosh, how to explain this? <laughs> Unfortunately, I had this explained to me by someone who's smarter than me, who goes by Ace Zephyr. So I'm sorry if the information that I give is wrong, but this is what I absorbed out of what he explained to uh, me and the other people who were in the Twitch stream at the time. So every object in the game, every single object on the world such as chocobos other vehicles cloud um they keep a they keep a list of the last six triangles that they were standing on triangles meaning the whole world is made of triangles right that's kind of how video games work it's all made up of vertices and if you connect all the vertices you end up with a bunch of triangles uh that's just how like that's how the video game works so when you are walking across the ground, you're stepping on a bunch of triangles, you know? And the game keeps track of the last six triangles that you've been on, unless you're on a chocobo. When you get onto a chocobo, for some reason, the game stops updating Cloud's triangles. Uh, I think because it stops updating his XYZ coordinates on the world as well, at least that's what I've gotten out of looking at RAM values, is that you're running around as Cloud... And his XYZ coordinates are updating as you're running around, and then you get on the Chocobo, and they stop. They freeze in place, and now it's the Chocobo's XYZ coordinates that are moving around. And so Cloud's coordinates are frozen in place, and the last triangle he was standing on is frozen in place. Now, here's what happens. That triangle, those, that triangle is part of the world, right? But the entire world isn't loaded at a time because it's really big and you're on a PlayStation 1. So it so, doesn't have the ability to detect that space, right? So, uh, so stay with me here. So the, the world is made of a grid of squares and it, is, it has only loaded so many of those squares at a time. Yeah, that makes sense? Yeah. Uh, you know, so... The thing is, the game is keeping track of this last triangle that Cloud was standing on, but that triangle is located in a region of the world map, and that region may or may not be loaded, depending on where you've gone Mm -hmm. since you've gotten onto the Chocobo. So, if you... There is one specific triangle on the world map that if you step on... Well, it's actually more triangles than this, but... Well, eh. so you step on it. You, there, there are triangles that you can stand on where if you get off the chocobo and stand on that triangle and then you get back on the chocobo and you run away, 
you can unload this region from memory, right? Because you've run away from the region. So the region is unloaded, Okay. but tr- cloud still has this pointer on his ob on his character object that, that is pointing to this specific like memory address. That is the triangle that he was standing on. However, it's unloaded now. And if you move around the world in a certain way, you can load and unload other regions of the world map in a certain order because they'll come back in a different order, right? Like if you're holding, you know, if you're holding like eight playing cards and then you like shifted the top one to the bottom like three times, right? You're still holding the same ones, but they're in a different order now. But if you're, but but the pointer is saying, fourth card right the whole time even though it's been shifted it that part never updated so if you run around a certain way you can reload the regions in a certain way where you can in the in the region that you were standing on the first time you got off the chocobo that memory space now has a different region in it, and that region has less triangles in it, meaning the amount of data in the memory space that that region is occupying is less. So the triangle that you stood on is... (laughs) Stick with me here. So the triangle that you were standing on is in a part of memory that is no longer right. no longer has triangle data on it. It's got no because reference the, point. Yeah. Yeah, because the region that has been loaded into that spot has less triangles. The triangle data ended and the rest of it is another type of data. But the triangle reference that Cloud's object has on it is still pointing to it anyway. And this so, this leftover tag prevents him from going back from that cave? I'll tell you exactly what it does. Uh, this is why I shouldn't have mentioned the cave yet, because that has nothing to do with this okay. anymore. We'll get back to the cave. So what this means is you get off the chocobo on a, on certain triangles and then you get back on it. That stores that triangle in as Cloud's last triangle that he stood on, which doesn't update while you're on the chocobo. After you've then, moved a little while, you, you get you get back on the chocobo. Uh, you do well. Eh, it doesn't matter the, for the okay. first one. Sure. The first, the setup, right? You set up on this triangle. Boom! That's his last triangle. Get back on the chocobo. Then yes, you do the specific movement that loads the regions in a different order where now the triangle data is not triangle data anymore and if you did it right it's a bunch of zeros yeah so then when you get off the chocobo the second time for some reason here's the laziness or perhaps the oversight in the programming all of the other vehicles in the game like the tiny bronco the high wind the the buggy mm-hmm. they all will like update cloud's triangle before they put him down onto it or something i'm not sure about that part exactly sorry if what i said doesn't make sense but it's basically they they don't have this problem but the chocobos for some reason when you get off of them it will look at this last triangle data and try to put cloud on it well, yeah, what other and, vehicles in the game run away when you when you leave them, you know? Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, my theory is that part of it is that the, the Chocobo turns before yeah. you dismount. 
So the ga- so like they think that he'll always land on ground because they've programmed him to, hmm. you know. Uh, any anyway, uh, but I'm not sure. It, uh, the the Ace Zephyr said that it is most likely an oversight, and he's the one who's actually looked at the code. Cool. So I'll take his word for it. It's probably an oversight. Um, but basically if you, what I mentioned is that if you load the regions in a certain order, now that last triangle reference that cloud has is a bunch of zeros or it's got a, it's got something else in there too. That might be important, which I'm, I'm assuming sure is what, what details are. is it representing a clearing of the memory of, Hey, you, you had a chocobo and now you don't. So it, it just clears that whole. Thing. Uh no what it means is that um that location in memory used to be a triangle that cloud was standing on mm-hmm. but now a different region is loaded in that same spot that there's less triangle data in that region oh and so this so, is the leftover like empty space okay yes exactly gotcha uh uh and so when it reads those zeros, what it says is this is a triangle that cloud can stand on. It passes the test of like, yeah, he can stand on this. And how tall is it? Oh, zero. <laughs> okay. Put cloud zero high, yeah. which happens to be in the ground. <laughs> so you get off the chocobo and cloud just drops Falls. through the ground into the in onto sea level, which is like zero <laughs> on the on the y-axis when it know? happens does it do like every other time cloud falls from everything and includes like the whistle cartoon sound effect like, <laughs> <laughs> uh it's instant it's a it's a oh, okay. warp just right? a warp like right. honestly you don't even see him get off the chocobo the yeah. moment you press the button he is in the ground it's one frame and uh and and then from from and and so the thing is you can use this you happen to be able to use this bug in a spot where there is a very short distance oh one one other thing is okay so now you're clipped into the ground and when you're clipped into the ground like this you can run around wherever you want basically mm-hmm. without getting stuck unless Actually, that's not really true. There actually are a bunch of invisible walls yeah. everywhere and a bunch of shit you can get stuck on and soft lock on for some reason. Well, can't you also like um, enter the debug mode from that no clip area from anywhere? Uh, in the game, not much? from not from there. I don't oh, know what okay. the I don't know what the details on the debug thing are, but this isn't related to that okay. right. yet. Not yet. Not Who yet. knows <laughs> where it'll go? But uh, okay, so um the thing is, yeah, you get stuck on shit all the time when you're clipped and you soft lock really easily. But there is, if when you'd first leave Midgar, if you were to go west, there is a little bit of land with a little river and then another little bit of land that is quite close to each other. And Junon happens to be right back there. That's what's behind the other side of the cave that you can't get through until you go through Calm. And it just so happens that this spot is is really close to each other and the triangles in this area are suitable for doing this clip and if you do the clip you can run across the river and it works you pop up onto the land on the other side and you can go straight to Junon without having gone to calm and how much um, how much time does that save uh, uh if done properly about 15 minutes oh, but it okay. becomes a v- it becomes a very complicated question if you talk about the overall scope of the speed run of Final Fantasy 7 mm, yeah. um which we might get into but uh so you might be asking though like you were saying something about chocobo's running away chocobo's run away at this point so what am i talking about get off the chocobo and get back onto it well 
That's what I was saying earlier about going to the cave and there's that little patch of grass that allows you to get off of a chocobo uh, and get back on it so that you're not stuck over there. But when you leave the marsh, it deactivates that flag and so you can't, you know, then chocobos do run away. So, turns out that there's another part of the setup, which is that, remember when the Midgar Zolem catches you in the swamp, he teleports you back to the last bit of grass that you were on, right? Like, because you tried to cross the swamp, you didn't do it, you got caught by the Zolem, you get into an encounter with him, you either, you, you run away from him, and then you're, and then when you respawn, you're back on the grass where you started, right? That's I like don't how remember they did the it part. that well, but sure. Mm. So yeah, that's how it is, right? Once again, to set it up, there is a swamp. It's got the big, scary snake in it that chases you when you're in there. I remember that, yeah. And if he catches you, uh, you, you get into a fight with him, and when you run away, you respawn on the grass that you came from. Uh, that said... If you're on a choke, the intention in the game is to catch a chocobo and run across the swamp. That's why they allow you to dismount a, a chocobo and get back on it on the other side of the swamp. Mm -hmm. That's a very small patch of grass if you haven't been to Calm yet so that you don't essentially lock yourself in there. Yeah. So, turns out though, and this was, this here was the deal. Originally, when this skip was found, they had to find they had to find a way to make it so that you could dismount this chocobo anywhere, right? At this point in the game. You don't want it to run away. We want to take that property, that flag in memory, uh, about like whether you can dismount the chocobo or not, and we want to keep that everywhere, right? And the way theoretically to do it would be to use the Midgar Zolem's teleporting action, where when you get into a fight with him, you appear on the other side of the, or you appear on the side of the swamp that you came from. Yeah. Uh, you can use that to essentially teleport over the trigger that turns that dismount flag back off. Remember, I said when you run onto the caveside grass, it enables this flag that says you can dismount the chocobo and so get, that it and, won't and, run away and get back on it. Yep. Yeah. But then when you're running back to the other side, when you're on your return trip in like the middle of the swamp, there's another trigger that when you run over that one, it turns it back off. So what people found out is if you park your chocobo on the caveside grass, but on the edge of it, on the swamp, right? Where so you, you would over, be teleported out from after that bus? Uh, uh, depends. Okay. Um... So if you go to the caveside grass where the game enables the flag of you can get off your chocobo, right? Um, the game enables the, the, the dismount flag, I'll call it, right? Uh, you park it over there. Then if you run across the swamp without your chocobo backwards, avoiding the Zolem, which is very difficult to do and was not intended to be, it was not intended to be possible... Uh, but you can do it and it's very hard. Then you can get back over to the other side of the grass, you know, the starting side of the grass yeah. where you're not able to dismount the chocobo, but, uh, but that's where everything is. You run back over there on foot. So your chocobo is on the side with the cave right on the edge of the swamp. And you are now on the, uh, on the starting side of the swamp, looking at your chocobo, right? Hmm. You had, you had to go backwards because now that you've, now that you're on the, 
now that you're on the starting grass, now if you get into a fight with the Zolom, you'll get teleported here. Then you have to run back across the swamp again. Don't get on the grass this time. Avoid the boss again, right? Avoiding the snake again, <laughs> except except this way it's a little bit easier because there's like a setup for it and speedrunners have been doing it forever to avoid okay. catching a chocobo in the first place. It's a little bit easier this way. Doing it backwards fucking sucks though, but, uh, but doing it this way is kind of easy. Uh, but, so run back across the swamp again to your chocobo that you found without stepping on the grass over there because that would make it so that you get teleported to that side yeah um uh and then you have to do a trick where you get onto the chocobo as the zolom hits you oh you you know and if that happens you get into a fight with the zolom with the chocobo music playing <laughs> and then uh which is just great uh and then if you escape the battle because you got onto the chocobo, the game like updated the flag to make it so that you can get back off of it because of the grass. Yeah. But be, uh, because of a detail I'll talk about in a second, but what we understood at the time was because we're still in, the, we never touched the grass, we were just getting onto the chocobo, it still teleports you to the first side of the grass. So you just teleported over the trigger that turns off yeah. the dismount property. Okay. So now you have a chocobo that you can dismount and get back onto everywhere. Makes now, sense. All right. So the original scope of the whole trick was to do that whole complicated ass setup for it to get a chocobo that allows you to get off and on it right here and right now in the game and then use this other weird business to run around to manipulate memory values with the regions, clip, run over to Junon, boom, you skipped calm. It feels like this is a little bit of complex of a setup. Like it's, it seems like you'd take quite a... I mean, I guess 15 minutes is quite the savings for a speed run, but it seems like you might fuck up and have to ruin, like restart the run pretty easily. Absolutely. Uh, the first time I did the skip, it took me several minutes of retrying to uh, to get the chocobo set up, mm. and uh, and yeah, I saved like seven or eight minutes only on it. That's tough. Uh, which which is still great. Yeah. It's still great, but you know, compared to what it could have been, it was an eight minute time loss. Um, yeah. So I was very, very displeased with the having to run across the Zolom swamp twice, uh, you know, and having to do this backwards swamp run where, where, you know, hated it. So took it upon myself to find the Ram value of what side of the swamp you get teleported to. Because I, I, I was determined <laughs> to find a way to not have to do this, right? And I found I actually found something out. So, turns out, let's get real fucking nitty gritty here. That bit that, that decides which side of the swamp to teleport you to, it doesn't update when you step on the grass. It updates when you step off the grass. Hmm. So that means that if you are on your chocobo and you're on the barn side, right? That's what I that's what I want to call the side with the ranch on it, with everything calm mm -hmm. and all that. If you run off that grass, across the swamp, and then onto the cave side grass, now that you're on the cave side grass, 
the uh, dismount flag is active. You can get off the Chocobo and get back on it because you're on the caveside grass. But you haven't stepped off the caveside grass yet. And so the bit is still active that will teleport you to the other side of the swamp if, theoretically, you got into a fight with the Zolum here. And I was like, holy shit, maybe I'm onto something here. If you could somehow get into a fight with the Zolum on the grass <laughs> on this side without stepping back onto the swamp, you would teleport to the other side on your chocobo with the dismount flag, no running across the swamp on foot needed. I thought yeah? you were going to say you could teleport the fucking Zolum through. Like, oh, how did we get here? <laughs> well, you know, so I was sitting there thinking, like, how am I going to do this? And I started... I started walking around on the edge of the grass, you know, just like looking at the Zolum. I was trying to like position what I was trying to do is the Zolum chases you when you're in the swamp, you know? So I was trying to see like, what if you could step just close enough to the swamp where it like activates the Zolum's AI to chase you, but you're actually still on the grass, you know? I was trying to do that and the Zolum just fucking bumped into me and started the fight. And did the teleport. Oh. And I was like, holy shit. I did it. I, Wait, I so just... a fight started and then you teleported out of it? Uh, well, I escaped the fight normally. Oh, okay. And when I came out of the fight, I was on the other side of the swamp. Oh, shit. Nice. Which is what I wanted. That's nice. a, that, so, so, so I teleported across the swamp without getting off the chocobo, without having to do the, the walk. And so then... And, and I was recording it. And like I'm in the uh, uh, and, and like w w when this whole skip was discovered and everyone was talking about doing this whole complicated run and setup and stuff, you know, we were in Discord like talking about how are we going to improve this, you know? And immediately I was just like, "Holy shit, you guys! I have video of this. Look at this! Yeah, like, it's pretty cool. You you get into a, a fight with the Zolum on the grass and it teleports you across and it skips all this shit. Nice. Um." And there was a little bit of question of how viable it was, though, because when that happened the first time, it was accidental. Like, he just bumped into me in his normal movement, right? And it was pure luck, and it happened immediately. <laughs> so then it became a question of, we need to get him to do it on purpose now. And so I started making it where I started baiting him, you know, where it's like, okay, I'm going to get into the swamp, and I'm going to get him to follow me, and then barely step up onto the grass and and the thing is the moment that you step up onto the grass he exits his chase ai and he picks a rng value to curve away at you know because mm. how his rng does is he just picks a random value and like curves at that value you know until he bumps into something or something okay so the moment you step onto the grass he stops he curves, but he's still going in your direction so if you time it well enough he could hit you He'll hit you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it was kind of hard to do. Kind of hard to do. Especially because I was using like the behind view, you know, and, and like the shoulder cam, you know, and running forward. Uh, and it was kind of hard to do. And I was getting a little discouraged. Like I wasn't getting it very often when I was doing it on purpose. Hmm. Um, and I was like, man, maybe this is actually harder than I thought it was. Uh, and other people kind of in the Discord were kind of saying the same thing. Like, yeah. This is this is cool, but I think we need to like get it consistent before it's actually usable. And then the same guy that found the clip 
in the first place that lets you skip to calm. He was like, hey, I've been playing around with it, and I found that if you come at it from this angle using the overhead camera, it's like super consistent. And I tried it out, and sure enough, there's a way if you use the overhead cam and you just bait the Zolum to go directly left, there's a spot of the swamp that's like a straight up and down line of grass yeah, that's really easy to come directly left with and bait him behind you and it's really easy to set up so boom that whole confusing ass thing of park the your chocobo right on the edge then run across the swamp on foot backwards then run back across the swamp on foot then time getting onto the chocobo right when the zolem hits you all that shit's gone now and it's just just bait the Zolem yeah. behind you on a chocobo, step up onto the grass, he hits you from behind, escape the fight, and you're done. And, and you, then you go... You developed this? Like, you discovered this? Uh, uh, yeah, like, the part where... Cool. The, the the part of, of, yeah, being able to do it on a chocobo, mm-hmm. uh, I got on camera. Someone else... So, someone else did a similar setup that they showed... Okay, okay, here's the thing. Someone else technically discovered it first, but they didn't know what they discovered and they thought that it was a frame perfect trick that they did, ah. you know? And so everyone looked at it, the because they just stood on the side of the they didn't like bait the Zolum, they just kind of did. They they like stood on the edge of the of the swamp yeah. and then like frame perfect stepped onto the grass as they got hit and it worked, you know? And everyone gotcha. was like, Well, that's not fucking happening in a speedrun, you know. Yeah. Um and so I wasn't even thinking about that. I was looking at the RAM values of yeah. like <laughs> And how to theori- make it easy yeah yeah and it, well and I, and I was theorizing that like hey uh uh we can stand on the grass as long as we want and if the zolem hits us we get teleported across how can we use this you know and then developed the thing and then only later uh, and 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 you know found that uh and then only later realized wait a second that frame perfect trick that that guy did and put the video up of that was just my thing that i found it's just not frame perfect. Coincidentally, you know? yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I feel pretty cool that uh, <laughs> that you know I I I helped get uh, yeah got rid of the part of the skip that sucked. Every, like when the calm skip was found, and everyone was like, "Wait a minute, you you mean you have to run across the swamp on foot backwards and avoid the zolem? That fucking <laughs> that's sucks, terrible." <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, and so I'm really happy to have contributed, like uh, getting getting rid of that part. So if you're interested, I do have a YouTube video. Uh, oh yeah, about calm skip that you can look up. It's called Calm Skip. A Final Fantasy VII speed trick, and it is on my main YouTube channel, which is under my real name still for some reason. Maybe I should change that. So, <laughs> if you're looking for it, my name is Jake Dooley, and uh, that's the YouTube channel. Name dropper. Um, yeah. Well, I'm just if you if you if you want to find the video, that's the channel. Uh, so there you go. That that um. If you want, like, an edited video with a visual aid of, like, what I'm talking about with all this shit, I have a uh, 20-minute YouTube video that goes through what the skip is, who found it, how they found it, why it works, and how to do it in a run. Uh, And also, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, we can just put it in the description, too. 
Yeah, yeah, that too. Um, so, also, I mentioned the first time I did the trick was with that double Zolom run and all that dumb bullshit, and I saved like eight minutes. Uh, when I did a second run using the Calm Skip, uh, I saved another eight minutes on top of that first save, right? Mm. So it was actually like a 16-minute time save there, uh, you know, with the new version of the Chocobo glitch and all that. Excuse me, and all that. Um, and yeah, that was great. Now, just I'm just going to throw one thing out there real quick. Um, I talked about step count, right? When I was talking about Final Fantasy VII speedrunning before? I uh, don't think so. It's not too hard of a concept, but it's really important for the implications of Calm Skip and why, why it might not be correct to say exactly how much time it saves. So when you turn on your system and start a game of Final Fantasy VII... If you ran the same path every time, right? You ran the sa- you did the same exact movement every time, you will get into the same battles in the same places every wow. time. No way. Yeah. And Crazy. so uh and the reason is um basically just how the game works where where uh you have a something called a danger value which increments as you run or walk. And when, uh, and as you're running and walking in hostile environments, which is just any, it's the, it's like the term for any area that has random battles in it, you know, that's not the world map. Um, as you're running through an area like that, it's constantly checking whether your danger value is at a certain value. And if it's, if it hits it, then you get into a random fight and that value that it checks against is constantly changing, you know? For some reason, it's got like a seed that is the same every time, and it huh. checks against those values every time. So it'll be like, is it 50? Nope. Is it 200? Nope. Is it 175? Nope. Is it 125? Oh, it is? Encounter, right? And then when and then when the encounter is over, whether you run away or you succeed, your danger value resets to zero, and you continue from there. Uh, it, it sounds so like that, it's a lot like just the grass in Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so that's, so that's how it works. Uh, that's how you get into random battles in the game. And the thing is that danger value increments the same way and the, uh, values that it checks against are the same every time. So theoretically, if you, if you run the same way every time you get into the battles at the same time every time and turns out that the battles that you get into are also, uh, consistent where you'll get into the same battles every time and everything. So, speedrunners of the game have uh, done a ton of work to create something called a step route, which is where if you... So, first of all, you assume that you're playing optimally, right? You assume optimal movement at all times. You're always running straight to the next objective. You're not bonking on shit. You're not running around extra because that would, you know... that wouldn't be fast. Um, But if you do that, if you play perfectly, well, maybe you get a pincer attack here. You don't like pincers. Maybe you get into extra encounters because you're running all the time here because walking increments your danger more slowly. Um, And, uh, or maybe in certain parts of the game, there are, there are encounters that you really do want because you want to learn a certain enemy skill or something like that. So very smart people have done a lot of work to create a step route where if you run this certain way 
and you walk instead of run at certain times, it will because I mentioned that it's 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 checking different values for your danger at different times. Yeah, you know, apparently, if you're running, you're just more dangerous. <laughs> yeah, sometimes there are really low checks for danger, right? That you would get into a battle very easily, and the 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 researchers found out, you know, where these parts are, and they found out, hey, turns out if you walk instead of run for like two seconds here, then you'll pass under this this low danger check, and oh. then you can start running again, and you won't in, you won't get into another battle for like a minute, you know. And so it turns out that a couple seconds of walking saves you a bunch of time. Uh, and that's why when you watch a speed run, they'll walk a few paces every once in a while and then huh. keep running is because they've routed out where to, to optimize how many encounters they get by doing that. Uh, here's the problem. Calm had the flashback sequence had hostile areas in it. Oh. So your danger value was in account when you did the flashback. So if that part of the run just disappears, that completely changes the step route for the whole rest of the game. Changes the seed, right? Uh, it, it, well, it means that you're getting to June on, on an earlier part of the seed that yeah. you would never be able to get there on. If you did the flashback, do we have a bunch of zeros being added in now again? <laughs> well, um, what, what it means is that if a, if calm skip were discovered, and a world record speedrunner said, I'm going to do calm skip in my run today. It means that they would not save 15 minutes. They would probably lose 15 minutes because, you know, they'd save the 15 minutes on the calm skip. And then the fact that they're not on their step route anymore would lose them those 15 minutes over oh, the course yeah. of the rest of the run. Oh. Because they don't, they don't know what encounters they're getting into. They're getting into pincers, which means they can't escape until they kill one side. They, when they need to learn the laser enemy skill, they're not going to get that laser encounter when they expect to. And they might have to run in circles and farm for that enemy for a minute, you know? All these things change. And so... It's kind of funny because this it's so great how this game is where it's like 15 minute time save was uh, was found. Okay, now all the top runners have to spend the next fucking week <laughs> researching the game. <laughs> yeah, and like taking all these notes and making a bunch of save states on their emulators, making these giant spreadsheets <laughs> of like all these different ideas that they have. Of how are they going to do their step route from now on before they God can damn. even attempt a run? Because if they just YOLO it, they're not going to save the time, you know? And so, yeah, like they're... There hasn't been a new world record yet, and uh, speedrunners are we'll... different animals. I can, I can never do that <laughs> shit. <laughs> uh, for the record, you know, I've only done like eleven runs at this point, and I don't do step count yet because mm. you know it's just something that you. I don't think you learn until later, right? Uh, because the thing is, like, let's just say I was learning step count. If I make one mistake in my movement, then then I'm off. You know, shit, I took too many steps on this. And now now I'm behind. You know, yeah. and uh, and that fucks up the whole run. So uh, you can't learn step count until you know how to move in every room. You know, so I haven't even learned it yet. Makes so sense. it's no skin off my ass that it's all changed now. <laughs> um, but. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, that's just funny. And so yeah. when you when you ask how much time does it save, well, 
now we have to account uh, yeah, we, don't, we, don't we have to take into account yeah what how is step count going to change is it going to be slower now um or also think there there's even littler things sorry it's so easy to talk too much about this run but now when you catch a chocobo cloud gets experience and he levels up from it and so now he has more health when you fight Genova, which means when you fight Genova and she lasers him, she doesn't do enough damage to give him a limit break anymore. So no. now the Genova fight is slower because Cloud is a higher level and doesn't get as many limit breaks. Jesus Christ. This game, <laughs> this is this is what I'm talking about. See, I, I say speedrunners are a different animal because when I learned, I talked about this before, when I learned how to speedrun, quote unquote, speedrun, Castlevania, just to learn how to play it. That was fine, because that's like a 12-minute speed run on, on your worst day if you're really good at speedrunning it. This is an hour's long, this is a day's long event for some people, and, and like a, a whole like work day's long event for, 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 for you. You got eight hours now. It's insane. But like in that eight hours, it sounds like there's just so much shit to remember. Like there's so yeah. much shit. And it being that it's an early, like, you know, it, it's a PS one game. The games just aren't made like that anymore. So you're navigating a whole different landscape. Like, you know, uh, I don't want to say glitch wise, but like, you know, trying to exploit a game that's, that's from 1997 is, is very different from trying to exploit a game now. I think, yeah. So it's like and, uh, there's, there's just so much to it. Yeah, I I I love the run. Um, cause yeah, I mean, I I think people hear you know, oh, it's speedrunning a JRPG, like you know, oh, you're so you're just mashing through cutscenes and then picking things on menus, yeah. you know. But it, man, there's so much to it because with like with step count, even if you're not on a step route, I mean, step count is still a thing in that if you make any extra movement, that just means that you're going to get into more encounters and that's time loss, right? Yeah. So your movement on those screens has to be tight, you know? And then there's just so many things like, oh my God, this thing went wrong on this uh, battle, but I still won, so it's fine, except two hours later it might bite me in the ass when I don't have enough Phoenix Downs anymore or that kind of thing, you know? Just mathematically, and, uh, your hours of your day could be gone over the stupidest shit that you at this point you've discovered that you thought you were doing a good thing to improve your yeah, time yeah, yeah. it's like but yeah. it, that's oh. kind of how it is for me like when i've been playing this racing game i do time trials i go all right like uh, two seconds into the run I'll, I'll like do something stupid all right but this run's fucked <laughs> it's like i can't imagine like getting four hours in and being like there's a good chance i might have just wasted four more hours <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not a waste, you know, because yeah, if you're having fun, of course, absolutely. If you're having yeah, fun, first um, of all, yeah, you're playing Final Fantasy yeah. seven the whole time. It's great. Absolutely. And yeah. then and then the other thing, too, is that you got better. You learned something, you know, when a when a run goes poorly, you learned something, mm -hmm. right? Like if you made a mistake, now you learned something, right? If you get screwed by RNG, well, maybe, you know, that does happen. I'd be pissed. But, uh, I'd be pissed. Yeah. And so that's the thing. It's like, I, I it listen, happen. Though you could be doing so many things worse uh, with your time, or things could be t done to you that are just so much worse than you sitting there playing Final Fantasy VII for multiple times a day. Nothing wrong with it. It's just the fact that I know in the back of my head that f that for um, that for seven hours, I could it could be creeping in the back of my head that it's not gonna be it's not gonna be it it's not gonna be it it's not gonna be it it's not gonna be it. Mm -hmm. It's like it's just that. 
for that extended that's that's just way too much anxiety for for over a long period of time for me i guess maybe maybe that's just it for me i don't know yeah yeah i mean it's i i really like all the decision making and keeping track of all the stuff you know but i mean it is nerve-wracking like i get nervous before the bosses you know yeah. and when i get nervous i have to pee and so <laughs> i have to like do all the bosses while i have to pee and stuff and yeah yeah you know you get a little nervous um but yeah, what? Uh, yeah, well, that so that's about it. Sorry, I I can go on and on about the speed run because it's so wonderful. But I I did really just want to talk about Calm Skip because it is huge, huge news. You know that yeah. that is a it's a real thing. Like in just days, it went from it went from Kuma Kuma TV, the guy who first discovered the clipping action with the Chocobo. Um, it went just in days. We saw this clip. He got it once, couldn't get it again. No one else could get it. What the fuck, right? But ho- but like, holy shit, it's possible. Uh, it, it you know, it went from now we can get the clip every time, but we're getting stuck all the time. Okay, now we have a setup where we never get stuck, and the clip works every time. <laughs> but the chocobo glitch sucks. To now. Okay, I think we have a better way to do the chocobo glitch. To now, the chocobo glitch is easy and consistent. Basically, you're like, you're like reverse software QA. You're like, it, we're like I, am, if I of, if yeah. I break it this way, can I make it more broken later, or can I make it well, less broken? <laughs> that that so I when I was making that YouTube video, I asked Kuma about it, you know, and and he said like, I mean, because people always ask, how do people even find this stuff, you know? When I when I was like describing all this shit about the memory values and stuff people ask like how do people find this stuff and the answer is brute force we didn't we didn't know we didn't plan out the idea of oh the triangle pointers work this way and if you load the regions in this order it zeroes it out and then it works no one knew any of that kuma just knew that chocobos were kind of weird and so he got off and on chocobos a lot and banged around on objects all the time on the world map running around and at some point he fell into the ground and then had to like think okay what exactly was i doing for the last minute of that can i reproduce it (laughs) right and then at some point at some point it becomes reproducible and then we find out okay so for some reason if you get off right here and then you run up for 20 seconds and then right for 20 seconds and then back in that exact way but and don't do anything different it works but if we do anything different it doesn't work what the fuck right and then you have to connect the dot what he said is connect the dots backwards you know yeah until eventually you you come back um but then yeah ace zephyr and mav is the it was the other guy in the discord mainly who were like they actually were like okay we're gonna start like looking at the game's code you know and like finding exactly the lines of code that are causing the problems trace the memory values that they're looking at and seeing what's getting fucked up about those the most you know, in depth and, you literally can get yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, that happens later. That happens after we have brute force yeah. found the way to do it consistently. Because if you can't find it consistently, then the person looking at the code doesn't know what to even look for, you know? So anyway, uh, big news, big, big news. And Final Fantasy VII speedrunning is really fun. I take your word for it. I'm going to believe you. <laughs> I'm just going to tune in and see some weird cutscenes that probably shouldn't happen. And then, and then go, cool. 
I understand mm-hmm. less about this game now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, the thing is, for a viewer, it's great, too, because when Cloud drops into the ground, it's that GDQ moment where you get the fucking applause, you know? Yeah. Because it's like, here's all the setup, here's all the setup, okay, we're still setting up, okay, now I'm doing this, now I'm doing this weird movement, now I'm doing this, why? Okay, here's the moment. Cloud drops into the floor, and then he runs across the air to this other part of the world that you're not supposed to get to. Boom. Applause. Fucking pogs in the chat. You know, everyone loves it every time. It's great. And, and, and me seeing that for the first time with Pokemon and just infuriated me. That's what I hated about this game. <laughs> but I can see how that would like be, especially if it was something that no one's ever seen before. That'd be an exciting moment. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I guess that's, that's it from, uh, from that's me this that. week. Go watch my YouTube video about Calm Skip, everybody. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll see if we can either put it in the comments or the description. Yeah, yeah, of the of the YouTube archive. Yep, yep, yep. Yep. Otherwise, I I said what to look for. Calm Skip, a mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII speed trick. There you go. All right, guys. Well, we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Peace, y'all.